Okay. And and Mr. Floyd has decided what exactly? Did he? Ms. Cross. It sounds like it's a deliberate choice for Mr. Morrison not to be present this morning, and the defendant was certainly here yesterday. If he joins later, um, otherwise, I think we can call that a voluntary waiver. Okay, I agree, and I haven't heard anything else from Mr. Morrison or any other counsel. Uh, is there anything we need to take up before resuming testimony here? Let me start with the state. I'm sorry, thank you, Your Honor. Uh, yesterday, the state had asked that Ms. Uh, Yuri be her her subpoena be um, held in case we needed to recall. I let her attorney know last night after speaking we don't intend to recall her and as far as the state's concerned. I know she'd already been released from um, the subpoena from the other side, so there was no, no reason for her to be able to stay from the state. All right, Ms. Merchant, can we, can we excuse me, Ms. Yurdy? Um, um, I talked to her attorney last night and I said, hey, we had a different conversation, so I think she's still on standby. So your position has changed since yesterday? Well, based on the state's representation that they may have rebuttal evidence, but they didn't give us that, so I don't know what that is. Um, so in rebuttal, if they present something in rebuttal that I need to call her to talk about, then I would do All right. We'll address it as it comes up. Uh, what else? Anything else, Ms. Cross? Uh, not from the state, Your Honor. Okay. Ms. Merchant? Um, just, I, I know that we are still in the middle of Ms. Willis, um, but we need to address some of the things that were said yesterday in court in regards to when you say address them, what do you mean? Um, well, there's a couple different issues, but we've got the privilege issue is one of them. Um, but I also, so I, what I did was I drafted all my questions, and I thought I could give those to the court, um, opposing counsel, everyone, so we didn't have to worry about the privilege stuff. Um, there's also, there were some allegations made. Um, I had a transcript made of the proceeding yesterday. Um, some specific allegations that I think I should have an opportunity to refute, um, specifically that I had egregiously misrepresented um, that things that I had said were patently false, and that all of that information came from Mr. Abadi speaking with Mr. Chopras. I spoke with Mr. Chopra, maybe we talked to him in the car on the way here on speakerphone, Mr. Merchant and I, and he said that he didn't tell Mr. Abadi any of that information, doesn't know where Mr. Abadi got it from. Mr. Abadi says that he did, and so, you know. <laughs> Uh, if, we, if there's any clearing of the air that needs to happen, and if we need to get to that, I think the right time would be once we've actually seen all the evidence that comes out. So. Thank you. I just wanted to let the court know. Thank you. And in terms of the uh, privilege issue, if you're if you're planning to recall Mr. Bradley, and you've actually typed out some specific questions, then yes, I think that would be helpful and uh, might allow things to proceed a little more efficiently through his testimony. So, to the extent you've got those typed out and are willing to provide those to counsel for Mr. Bradley and the state. Uh, that would, I'd encourage you to do that. And when we, before we call him, we can get into that as well. Okay, great, thank you. And I have a copy for the court, I have a copy for, <coughs> I have one copy for Mr. Evans. Um, I know Mr. Body was objecting to privilege yesterday, but I think it's actually Mr. Evans that needs to be Mr. Evans, Mr. Evans is here, okay. All right, anything else uh, from any counsel? Uh, Rule is still a place. All right. Uh, not saying anything else. If we could bring back in uh, Ms. Willis. Actually, Your Honor, the state um, has no further questions for Ms. Willis. So. All right. No need to recall. Okay, Ms. Merchant. Next witness. I think we're about to hit the 
issue. We are about to hit the privilege issue. There we are. <laughs> okay. Then do you need a council need a moment to take a look at her questions? Yes. So I've got um, I've got a copy. Oh, I guess Mr. Evans. And then do we have Mr. Bradley somewhere in the whereabouts nearby? Mr. Chopra, I informed Mr. Chopra that he's still under subpoena. Well, him and his client. Yes. Uh, well, um, I'm also uh, with Mr. Bradley, uh, and he's actually not here today. He's we need you to notify yourself for the record, sir. Name Van Ward. Uh, he's not here to, at this moment. He has a doctor's appointment um, uh, that he's currently in as we, as we speak. Um, and uh, his representation is, is, is on the way here as well. Do you have a time estimate of when he's supposed to be here? Where's the doctor in relation to here? Yes, at the very, at the very earliest, it would be either be free about ten o'clock, ten to ten thirty. All right, he's he's currently driving here as we speak. He's at the he's at the actual doctor's office. Okay. And, and I think the council was informed of that last night that, that he would not be here until at the earliest 10 to 10 All right. I wasn't until 10 or 10 30, but. Sure. Ms. Merchant, other than Mr. Bradley, did you have any other witnesses? Um, not that I can call before Mr. Bradley. But I do think we can take up some of the privilege. Sure. Yeah. No, I think we can use this time to do that. So why don't you all take a moment to look at the questions and then let me know when you're ready to proceed. Okay. My part of it has, it doesn't have to do with questions. I understood yesterday. I don't want, I know these gentlemen are looking at the same time, so you want me to wait until they have a chance. Well, I think you're about to maybe make a, a legal qualification here, so why don't we, why don't we hear what you got? Right. Yesterday sounded as if the witness was going to decline to answer any questions at all in relation to communications or observations or anything, be it independent source or otherwise, um, that took place during the time of the uh, alleged attorney-client privilege or relationship, which is 2015, I think, until the present. I understood that as referencing not simply attorney-client privilege communications, but what we commonly refer to under 1.6 as competences and secrets which are not covered by the attorney client and are not barred from uh, testimony or evidence in a courtroom. But it sounded as if the court was going to have to order this Mr. Bradley to testify, and then Mr. Bradley will have to take a position of whether he's going to follow the court's order, heed the court's order, or whether he's not. If he does, then we'll be able to get in hopefully the questions this merchant has prepared on Mr. Roman's behalf. If he says, I'm not going to comply, then theoretically we're in a position in which the court will have to hold him in contempt. And then, at that point, my guess would be that somebody would say, I would like him to keep, have the contempt stayed while I take it up on appeal. So I'm just trying to play through where we're going sure. to be. Because if we're going to do that, we might as well notice before we start putting him on the stand. Uh, I think that's a good thing to flag now, and I agree that yesterday during the hearing there was some intermingling of 1.6 and attorney-client privilege, and now having had the time to kind of parse through that, and it does seem that there is a distinction between the two, 
one is not covered by the evidentiary privilege and pulling the case of Tenet Healthcare Corp, 273 Georgia 206, uh, Supreme Court doesn't make that distinction. So uh, to that end, Mr. Evans, as we work through these issues, I would say that when Mr. Bradley takes the stand, I would be directing him uh, to respond and be responsive to any questioning uh, that may be covered by Rule 1.6. That would be the order of this court. But that still reserves the issue of attorney-client privilege. So as you're reviewing those questions, we'll keep that in mind, and I'll be interested to hear your response. Anything else you think we should clarify before we take a break to look at the questions? Do you have a copy for me? Yes, ma'am. A copy of the questions, Judge, and um, I also have copies And uh, counsel for Mr. Bradley, I'm sorry, can I get your name one more time? I didn't write it down. <coughs> Mr. Ward? Yes. Okay. All right, Mr. Ward, if we could get some regular updates of <coughs> where he is and how he is progressing towards the courtroom. And then when everyone has had a chance to read these questions in the interim, uh, let me know and we can take this up. Mr. McDougall. I have a text message from one of Mr. Floyd's lawyers that he's uh, logged in on the Zoom conference Okay. Is someone uh, joining us by? Thank you. Is someone joining us by Zoom that wants to appear for the record? Yes, Your Honor. Uh, Chris Kucherov for Mr. Floyd. All right. Thank you, Mr. Kucherov. And I think we had a, uh, a legal assistant here announcing on Mr. Floyd's behalf, but I think it would be better to have counsel of record uh, any announcement in terms of Mr. Floyd's presence this afternoon, or excuse me, today. I'm sorry, Your Honor, I don't understand. Did you ask a question? Yes, sir. Uh, so Mr. Floyd joined us yesterday, but I do not see him here today. Do you have an announcement uh, about his presence for today's hearing? No, he, he will not be present, Your Honor. All right. We would, we would waive his presence. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Cotero. All right. We'll be uh, in recess until I hear from the parties. Thank you. <laughs>
Ridley is still not with us in person. However, there's a proposal to potentially move on to other witnesses. Why don't we start with the state? Ms. Cross. Thank you, Your Honor. Yes, in uh, order to be efficient with the court's time, uh, we're, we have a witness here and prepared to take out of order, and it sounds as though there's no objection from the defense, so we can do that at the court's convenience. We don't have any going to take him out of order, but it's our understanding that Governor Barnes is he's here to establish that he was the first choice of Ms. Willis, and she testified to that, so I don't think she's going to order. Ms. Cross, I think she did. She say it was her first choice. Or did she not say who was her first choice? I think that's. Uh, I don't believe that um, the governor's name was mentioned. I think there are some facts and circumstances surrounding the search for someone to uh, take over the lead of this investigation at that time. Now, prosecution is something that, given the allegations in the case, uh, is certainly relevant. All right, and doesn't sound like it would be all that long a witness. I don't think Anyhow. So. All right, so in that case, we can transition over. And, uh, Ms. Cross, would you like to call your witness? Thank you. The state would call uh, Governor Roy Barnes. And Judge, just so I'm clear, you had told us not to ask questions about qualifications, so we did not ask any of our witnesses about qualifications, so the state's now going to bring in evidence of that. We would just ask how we be able to go into that. Sounds to me, well, Ms. Cross? You want to ask Governor Barnes about his qualifications? I mean, that's certainly something he'd have knowledge of. I, I don't know what his basis of knowledge for anyone else's qualifications might be, but I also don't think that opens the door to anything other than what the my understanding of what the testimony is. As I hear it, uh, the issue of qualifications versus who was her first choice is, is going to be relevant to her intent, maybe, and perhaps that issue of the case in, in whole. I don't think that necessarily opens the door. We'll see how it goes. I believe he's being brought up for your honor. Ms. Cross, assuming this may be a 10 to 15 minute witness, does the state have other witnesses on deck they'd like to go forward with as well? Yes, we've um, called to gather everyone we could, so we can go forward with another witness, I believe, after this one. All right, appreciate it. <clears throat> 
Roy Eugene Barnes, R-O-Y-E-U-G-E-N-E, -E, Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S. Say, uh, good, uh, good morning, Mr. Morning. Barnes. Can you tell the court um, a little bit about uh, your background as it relates to um, your service uh, in, the, in public service? Uh, I was uh, first elected to the state senate in 1974 from Cobb County and I served 16 years there. And then in 1990 I ran for governor and was defeated. And two years later I went back to the House of Representatives. I was elected to the House of Representatives and served six years until I was elected governor in 1998 and I served in that position until January of 2003. And um, after serving uh, in uh, the position uh, of governor, can you tell the uh, court a little bit about uh, what you transitioned into um, after your public service? I, I did uh, exactly what I was doing before uh, I was elected. I went back to practicing law in Marietta, Georgia with my daughter, who's now judge of the state court, and my <coughs> son-in-law. And now we have... Uh, I think six or seven lawyers. Charlie Bailey back there was one of them at one time. Okay. And um, Governor Barnes, would you consider yourself a, a, to be a trial lawyer? Yes. That's, okay. We don't write contracts or we don't write wills. All we do is try cases. And I want to direct your attention uh, back to uh, 2021. Um, were you approached um, by uh, the district attorney of Fulton County, uh, Fonnie Willis, um, about being a special prosecutor, I was. Uh, I don't do. You, I don't recall the exact date, but uh, I know it was sometime uh, in 2021. And uh, she asked me to come down, and uh, I met with her and Nathan Wade, and there were several other in the meeting. Uh, she asked me that uh, they were beginning this investigation. And she asked me if I'd be interested in being special prosecutor, to which I replied that I had mouths to feed at a law office and uh, that I could not, I would not do that. And also, I just had a bad, well, I won't say bad because it happens from time to time, but I just had the FBI to report uh, a fella 
militia trainer to me that said they were concerned uh, that he was making threats against me. And because I was, I thought it was because of the flag, but I asked him and he said, no, it was because I was too close to the Jews, quote unquote. And uh, I told uh, D.A. Willis, I didn't, I'd lived with uh, bodyguards uh, for four years and I didn't like it. And I wasn't gonna live with bodyguards for the rest of my life. Ultimately, you, you turned down. Yes. Yeah, I told her. I, I said, uh, uh, I'm not interested. Nothing further from the state. Ms. Morning, Morning, Governor Barnes. Morning. How are you? Just fine. How are you? Good. Good, Good. to see you. Good to see you. Um, you said it was sometime in 2021. Do you remember? I think it was. It was. I don't remember the dates. They all go. I could look it up on my calendar at the office, but I don't have that. Well, um, I want to ask you about uh, some statements that Ms. Willis made um, March 28th, 2021. Um, she was talking about an, uh, assembling a team for this case. Are you familiar with her work assembling a team for this case? Well, I assume that's what she was talking to me about. Uh, uh, but uh, besides that, I don't know. And I know you had said you had a meeting with some folks, and Mr. Wade was at that meeting? Correct. Okay. So he was um, with the district attorney interviewing you about taking this case? Well, he, uh, of course, I know Nathan very well, as you do. Yes. Uh, and um, I exchanged pleasantries with him, but the conversation was with Ms. Willis. Okay, with Ms. Willis. Um, were you aware at the time that her team was consisted of Brian Watkins, Megan Vargas, Sonia Allen, Shannon Trotty, Sal Chan, and John Floyd. She had reported that was her team on this case. I know John Floyd was uh, involved, and she probably told me the others, but listen, I barely remember what case I tried last year, much less uh, every word that was said in the conversation. I understand. Fair enough. Um, but she said she was looking to hire more lawyers and investigators to work on this case? She told me, uh, it was to me, and she said, uh, would you be interested in being special prosecutor in this case? And I gave the reply that I've already known. I mean, about hiring other lawyers or whatever, I don't know. I, all I can testify to is what she told me. Um, did she tell you at all why she wanted to hire special counsel and not use someone who was an ABA, not have an actual employee? No, she did not. I mean, we did not discuss that, and uh, but I would assume it was because in a case as big as this that you'd have to have some decision help. I know John Floyd has been in some cases over the years out in Cobb County, for example, and others. Would you agree that an employee of her office, someone who was paid a state salary or a county salary as an ADA, could handle a case like this? I couldn't tell you that unless I knew the person, knew their experience, and really had been with them in a courtroom. Right. Has an opinion on that. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Say no. Hello, Mr. Say that. It's been a while. It has been a while. I hope you're well. I'm doing fine. Just getting older, but that beats all time. That, that's true, but that applies to all of us, I believe. Yes. yes. Um, I think you indicated that if you had your calendar, you'd be able to pinpoint a date for us. I would. Is there a way for you, for example, at a break, 
before you actually leave to contact your folks to see if you can get a date? Um, I guess I could. I put I, it, I, I don't know how far back we archive those, but I assume I could. Would you be willing to give that a shot for us? I mean, I'll do whatever the court instructs. So if I ask the court and the court says, go ahead and you could do it, that's all right? I'll do whatever the court instructs. I, I hear you. I, uh, and you should, too. I, I, <laughs> I, I try to live by those words. I'm not always successful, but I try. Um, if I pinpoint a date, for example, I, I think the record is clear that uh, Mr. Wade was hired for the position on November 1 of 2021. Does that help you at no, all? No, it does not. Okay. Then let's go to the meeting. It sounds like it was just one meeting. Yes. And could you tell us where that meeting took place, if you it remember? It was in the conference room um, adjacent to the district attorney's office. So it was in, was it in this, or the adjoining building? It was in the Lewis Slate building. And uh, uh, District Attorney Willis was there, obviously, right? Yes. yes. And Mr. Wade was there? The best I recall, now I could be mistaken about that, it's like uh, uh, anything that far away, but that, that's my recollection. Do you have a recollection of anyone else being present? Yeah, there were uh, there were some other folks, but I don't remember. Do you remember, were you introduced to Mr. Wade by anything other than you already knew him? Um, was he given no, a title I or anything? So at least as you're there, if I heard you correctly, Miss Willis did all the talking, Mr. Wade did not. I mean, we exchanged pleasantries, but as far as the uh, basis of the conversation, the reason I was there, Ms. Willis did the talk. And would you be able to give us an estimate of how long this meeting lasted? Probably, Just rough. Probably an hour. And it, during the meeting, you made it clear, but it was the thanks for the offer, but no thank you. Oh, yes. Uh, I did. Um, as I said, um, you know, I started off as a prosecutor. And for about 10 or 15 years, uh, I did nothing but criminal. And then, but I've tried to move away from it uh, and do primarily civil now. Mr. Gillen and I have done some white collar uh, cases over in federal court. I've got one over there right now. Uh, but it's generally business related, you know, where I have a client that's got a kid or him getting indicted. and. The case I have over there now is an alleged fraud case. Fair to say that based on your career and the work that you've done, you've handled high-profile cases, correct? I, I have. I've, uh, um, I've, I've handled some pretty good cases. I sued Syria one time for beheading a, a client of mine, recovered $82 million. <laughs> I guess that's the best high profile, but that was in D.C. I tried that up in D.C. And what would be considered complex cases, you've handled those as well, correct? Yes. I mean, we we, uh, we regularly do mass torts, uh, class actions, uh, business, uh, business torts, uh, breach of contract, and most of those are high complex, are complex requiring many uh, experts I, I also, we also do um, malpractice. I was, ma I did malpractice defense for about 25 years, but since I've returned from the governor's office, I, I try not to represent an insurance company anymore. 
and uh, I just tried a malpractice case before Judge Edlin in November. And those are complex cases because of the type of, uh, you know, uh, medical uh, knowledge and that you have to have and also because of the many experts that you have. Thank you. Did Ms. Willis, and this is the last question, did Ms. Willis tell you why she had sought you, why you had been her choice? No, uh, I, I hadn't, but, you know, uh, I get consulted fairly often on major cases. Would, would you believe, based on circumstances in which you were given the offer, that it had to do with the fact that you had handled complex and high-profile cases in the past? It could have been. Uh, I know her very well. Um, the <laughs> I tried a case against her. Uh, she worked for the JQC, and uh, I represented um, Judge Rob Robert Crawford, Mac Crawford, and uh, I, and she prosecuted him, and I defended him. She beat me at the trial. I turned it around at the Supreme Court. <laughs> so you had some experience. With oh, I, I had plenty of experience with him. She's she's a very qualified young. Uh, well, everybody's young to me, but she's a very qualified young. After that, uh, that one occasion, mm -hmm. did you have any other contact with her in reference to the position itself or who she might be considering? I, you know, I had some conversations with her or Jeff DeSantis or some of those, uh, but not really an in-depth, uh, you know, about who she should hire or anything like that. Did the name Nathan Wade come up in those conversations no. with her? No. no. Right? Yeah. Um, Nathan was there, I thought. Now, I could be mistaken, but I thought Nathan was there when I... For, for the I conference? Think Nathan was... I, I, I'm, I'm positive Nathan was there when I, uh, when I met with him. Right. I, and, and my question was probably poorly, poorly worded. But okay. what I was asking is, after the conference, and whatever consulting you might have done, yes. did Miss Willis or Mr. DeSantis bring up the name Nathan Wade as... A special prosecutor? I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't recall one. I mean, Nathan is a good organizer. Uh, you know, Nathan can organize stuff. I've watched him over the years. Uh, so I wasn't surprised that he was acting as a special prosecutor. And Mr. DeSantis, for the record, who is that? Jeff DeSantis? Yeah, Jeff DeSantis. Do you know who he is? Oh, yes. Could you tell us who he is for the record? Uh, Jeff works in the DA's office. I knew him when he worked for Thurbert Baker. Uh, Do you know what his, what his role in the DA's office is? I, I have no earthly idea. Is he in media? Does that sound familiar? He has, he has done media in the past. Jeff uh, has generally been, a, uh, I like Jeff, and I'm very close to him, but he's generally been on the other side of my campaigns. <laughs> All right, so we're talking, the best of your recollection, conference, we don't have the date, I'm asking if you could possibly get it, but the conference you have, Mr. Wade could have been there. Yes, I'm almost sure he was there. And Ms. Willis, obviously, and Mr. DeSantis was there. I think Mr. DeSantis was, too. And, and as far as whether there was anyone else there, you don't I, have I don't a present know. recollection? No. Okay, thank next you, time, Next time I'll take a picture, so I'll have an exact... Uh, <laughs> next time, hopefully, we, you won't have to be here. Well, hopefully not. Thank you, sir. All right, All right Mr. Stockton. No questions, guys. Thank you. Mr. Durham? No questions, Your Honor. Mr. McDougal? No questions for the governor, Your Honor. Mr. Rice? 
Mr. Gillen, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> I couldn't give up the chance getting up here, Governor. Good to see you again. Good to see you, Craig. We've done some work in the past together, haven't we? I consider you to be one of my best friends and a crackerjack lawyer. Well, I will say to you uh, on the record that I can understand why they came to see you because you're the finest lawyer that I've ever worked with. Thank you. I need to put you in the next day. Yeah, there we go. We'll get that. But uh, uh, one or two more questions. Uh, okay. You and I working together when it, the appropriate when it's appropriate. Um, there's, you know, we've had no qualms about filing motions to disqualify the DA, have we? No. Matter of fact, you and I successfully disqualified the DA out in Cobb County in the Brown case, didn't we? We did. So whatever needs to be done should you be done. Represent your client. You got that. Thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Couturo, are you still with us by Zoom? I am, Your Honor. All right. Any questions? No, sir. All right. And Mr. Cromwell from Ms. Latham? No, no questions, Your Honor. All right. Any redirect, Mr. Avati? Can this witness be excused? Yes, sir. Your Honor, Thank is there a way that we could potentially ask through you for that day that you can get it? The, issue, the question is you want the exact date that the meeting occurred? Yes, if we can get that. And I'm wondering if we can, if it's if it's really material, the exact date rather than just its proximity to the November 1st hiring. Is that fair? If he knows whether it was far earlier in the year versus maybe closer, would that obviate the need for the exact date? If he can't get the exact date, we'll take the best we can. Okay, let's start there. All right. Uh, let me, let me uh, think, well, he may take care of it for us just if we hold in place I'm here. Not, I'm not sure this. Uh, Well, let me try this first, uh, Governor Barnes, before you uh, do a deep dive in the uh, in the email there. Do you recall what time of year it was when this meeting occurred? I'm afraid not. Okay. I, I mean, you know, uh, you, you know how this is. The, day, the cases and the days moved together. I had a fellow a few years ago that said I represented him in 1978, and I told him I'd take his word for it. <laughs> now, you wouldn't, I gotta ask though, you wouldn't do that if it was a question of him saying he just paid you. No, I would not. Uh, I will tell you, I believe lawyers should be well paid, Mr. Sanders. <laughs> all right, so sir, is that something I, I'll, you... I'll have to look. It didn't come up right Okay. Uh, all right, we'll ask this witness to step down subject to recall. And, and that might be something the state can present with stipulation as well. All right. Thank you, sir. Do we have an update on Mr. Bradley? His lawyer. His lawyer should be here. Um, he's probably outside. Of the last estimation I heard was about 11.30. Okay. If that's still the case, then, uh, Ms. Cross, did you have another witness available? But having brought over, it's Mr. John Floyd, not the special prosecutor. John Floyd, um, Mr. Attorney Willis's father. Okay. And, and is he heading this way? Yes. All
Mr. Ward, we're just holding in place for taking witnesses out of order. Do you have any update on, updates on Mr. Bradley? Yes. Uh, so he, still his appointment, may last a few hours. However, uh, he's going to make himself available for Zoom if that's possible. All right. Ms. Merchant? I was outside looking for them. <laughs> sure. We found them. I'm sorry? So uh, he has asked whether uh, the defendants uh, would accept his testimony by Zoom. As long as I can show him documents, if he needs his memory refreshed, um, then that's fine. It, it is not enough. It is not. Yeah, the, the state would have an objection to this witness not appearing in person. Understood. All right. Uh, Mr. Ward, uh, I think we're going to need continual updates from you and also some kind of expectation of what this afternoon is going to look like. I was never informed of a medical appointment, and I think the notice in this hearing indicated it would last at least two days. So right now, I, I, I think he's in violation of subpoena, of his subpoena. I'm just trying to get more. I mean, we initially been told maybe it was going to be 9:30 and 10. Do we have any better idea to get a realistic expectation of when we think we can have him here? Is he? Is he? You know, without getting too much into the particulars, has he already been seen by the doctor and he's waiting for results, or is he still waiting to be seen by a doctor? I'm just, you know. I'm and after he gets those results, he was supposed to have another meeting with them today as well. Um, but potentially that meeting could occur later. Can uh, get any kind of an update on how much time they think that those results are going to take. If it's more than an hour or two, I think we would want to start bringing him here, and he can have that follow-up consultation later. All right, thank you, sir. Uh, at this point, I think we've got something else that can occupy our time, and I think we need to move forward with that. All right. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't learn about the equipment. Right. Okay. Understood. Uh, Ms. Cross. Yes, sir. Mr. Bate will uh, well, uh, Mr. John Floyd. Mr. Floyd, if you could have a uh, seat, sir. Yes, I am. And uh, prior to uh, being retired, uh, can you tell the court a little bit about, uh, did you work in the, the legal uh, career? I'm, you I was a 
attorney. I practice law. I've probably tried a thousand cases. Uh, about 50% of my practice was criminal law. 25% of it was uh, family law, and the rest was whatever walked through the front door had, could pay for it. Okay. And um, could we wait one second? All right, and would defense counsel accept that as a stipulation, or to, is there any follow-up questioning needed on that? Mr. Barnes is still uh, considered under oath on this point. All right, I'll just look for a show of hands or for someone to speak now on Zoom and hearing none. Thank you, sir. You're excused. And, um, sir, can you uh, tell the court, are you from Atlanta? No, I grew up in uh, South Central Los Angeles. Uh, I spent uh, most of my legal career, I would say, in Washington, D.C. was kind of the circle, but I've tried cases all over the country, and I tried the longest. Uh, I was the first uh, lawyer to try an international criminal court. I was with the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda. I was in trial there for four and a half years in Arusha, Tanzania, and Hague in the Netherlands. Okay. And when, when you weren't there, it sounds like the kind of center of gravity was Washington, D.C. Correct. But I've tried cases in West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, Florida, I mean, California. All over. Yes. And uh, do you, uh, sir, can you tell the court, uh, do you have any children? <laughs> I have one daughter, uh, Fonnie Willis. Okay. And um, I want to direct your attention uh, back to 2019, okay? Uh, yes. Back in 2019, uh, can you tell the court, uh, did you move uh, here to Atlanta? I was living in uh, Johannesburg, South, uh, South Africa. Um, and unfortunately, for some reasons, I could not get an extended visa. When I retired from the practice of law in 2018, I moved to South Africa. And uh, I had to leave South Africa, and I did then come to Atlanta. Okay, and do you, sir, uh, remember about uh, the time period uh, in 2019 uh, when you uh, moved in with your daughter here in Atlanta? It would have been the spring or summer of 2019. And um, after you moved here, um, did you uh, get a driver's license to kind of confirm your residency with yeah. Atlanta? <laughs> well, my driver's license for the District of Columbia was going to expire on my birthday, which is in October. And yes, I did get a license here in uh, the state of uh, Georgia. Your Honor, may I approach the witness? Yeah. Okay, Your Honor, would you, if you don't mind, I'm, my eyes are very bad, which is one of the reasons I retired, and so I need um, a magnifying glass, so I'll be Whatever constantly you Thank you. Yes, I, I see it was issued on 9-28-2019. Okay, so before we get there, um, do you... Uh, do you recognize State's Exhibit 2? Yes, just my driver's license. Okay. And um, is State's Exhibit 2 a fair and accurate copy of your uh, physical driver's license? Absolutely. Uh, this time around, the State would tender what's been marked as State's Exhibit 2 into evidence? No, uh, Seeing no other objections, it's admitted. State's Exhibit 2 is admitted for the record. <laughs> now, uh, Ms. Uh, 
and for the record, Your Honor, um, the state is going to supplement State Exhibit 2 with a redacted copy of the license. Um, the current copy is not redacted with the address and things of that nature. Right. Do we need to mark that differently in any way? I will mark it as State Exhibit 2A. Perfect. Uh, now, you talked about when your driver's license uh, was issued. Can you tell the court um, when was that driver's license here, uh, your Georgia driver's license issued? It was uh, on uh, on 9-28-2019. Okay, so September 28, 2019. Now, when you moved into um, District Attorney Willis's home, um, who lived there? Well, my daughter lived there, I lived there, and from time to time, uh, our grandchildren would, uh, my grandchildren would, would come. Okay, and uh, did your grandchildren, were they at school coming and going? As exactly, uh, I think um, they were in school in various uh, jurisdictions. And during the time, how long did you live um, at, or with Ms. Willison, um, at her home here uh, in Fulton County? She was forced to move after she was elected about, I mean, I don't know if you want me to go through the whole thing, but that, uh, Your Honor, if Your Honor will indulge me. Um, after she was sworn in, she was sworn in on January 1 of uh, 2021. And on or about the 3rd of February, um, at probably 5, 5.30 a.m. in the morning, um, there were people outside her house uh, cursing and yelling and calling her the B word and the N word and just, I mean, it was it, bizarre, okay? I mean, it just. Sorry, pause, sir. Mr. Abani, here's the objection to you. Uh, he, I would say it's effect on listener. I mean, he was present while all of these things were occurring. But I can. No, no, I, that's. And he's saying he was personally present to hear these things? Yes. Okay, overall. Okay, and um, fortunately, the neighbors uh, called the police and uh, disbanded, uh, you know, disbanded the group. And, you know, it was just, uh, I mean, it was just, I hadn't seen anything exactly like it before. Okay, and after that happened, uh, can you tell uh, the court um, that Ms. Willis would have to move from her home? Yes, she was forced to, to leave. And um, can you tell the court, uh, after she was forced to leave, uh, shortly after she was uh, sworn in, uh, did you remain at her, her home in Fulton County? Yes, I stayed there uh, really until uh, 2022, I guess. And um, from what you described, uh, did you fear for her safety? Absolutely. I mean, um, not only did I do that, I mean, the uh, South uh, Fulton police uh, they had. They brought somebody, a man with a dog, because there have been so many death threats, uh, uh, and they said they were going to blow up the house. They were going to kill her. They were going to kill me. They were going to kill my grandchildren. I mean, on and on and on. It just uh, it became, and I was concerned for her safety. And um, after those concerns came to your your attention, and after what you heard and saw uh, that that day, uh, you remained at the house. Yes. And can you tell the court? Um, with what you just described, why did you remain uh, living at Ms. Uh, the district attorney's home here in Fulton County? Mr. I believe it's relevant based on uh, a lot of the questions that were asked yesterday of Ms. Willis as to um, about the security threat and the fact that um, it was implied that 
those threats were not necessarily um, real in the sense that Mr. Uh, Boyd remained in the home. There were many questions about the fact that he remained and her children uh, could still come and go to the house. I think it's relevant based to the testimony that was elicited from defense counsels uh, yesterday. Well, these um, South Fulton police, first they put a car in front of the house that was there permanently, um, a police car. That was thing one. Thing two, they brought a person uh, with a dog sometimes more than uh, once a day, twice a day, and they would circle the house to look for, for bombs. Um, I knew that that was a house that my daughter had worked for. for it was a brand new house. She's the only one who had ever lived there. It's a four bedroom, brand new house. And I wanted to, somebody needed to protect the house. And I stayed there to basically take care of the house, uh, to take care of the yard, to take care of that. Also, somebody sprayed, um, um, again, the B word and the N word on the house. And uh, I don't think my daughter even knew that. Uh, I cleaned it off and called the police and South uh, Fulton police. They have, I'm sure, all the records of all the things that happened. And all of the neighbors, uh, I notified all the neighbors to look out and to watch out. And it was just, it was so crazy. I mean, it was just so crazy. We'd have people would show up and, and park car. There was a guy parked for probably eight hours out in front of the, the house. Uh, you know, it was just, and we'd call the police and, you know. Now, uh, at the time that you uh, lived there with Ms. Willison, um, I guess even when you remained, so during the time period of 2019 to uh, the end of uh, 2020, uh, are you aware um, if Ms. Willis uh, was dating someone? Yeah, she, she did. She had, she had a boyfriend when I first got there. And uh, did you meet uh, her boyfriend? Yeah, I met him often. Okay, and can you, did you know him by any specific uh, specific nickname? Yeah, Deuce. Okay, and okay. can you tell the court um, why you were living there? Um, how often would you see him? Sometimes every day, sometimes, you know, every other day. He uh, uh, was a disc jockey or something, and he had all this paraphernalia that I'd have to move out. It was, a you know, a thing with the keyboard, I mean, uh, things that play music and so forth. So, so. Now, when you moved in uh, in 2019 and then throughout the years uh, in uh, your 2020, 2021, had you ever... Um, met someone named Nathan Wade? I did not meet Nathan Wade until 2023, about a year ago when a reporter by the name of Isakoff interviewed me. I met him. That was the first time I had met him. You said that was in 2023? 2023, right. And I know you said you hadn't met him uh, until uh, 2023, but when you were living at Miss um, Willis's house in Fulton County, uh, did you ever meet Mr. Wade in uh, the year 2019? Absolutely not. How about in the year 2020? Absolutely not. Did you ever see Mr. Wade at Miss uh, Willis's uh, Fulton County house in the year two, uh, 2021? Never. And is it your testimony <coughs> that the only time or the first time uh, that you met Mr. Wade was in uh, 2023? Let me say something. Mr. Wade said that he remembers 
seen me, and I do remember some banter. I remember Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity, and there's kind of this thing that goes on between fraternities. And Mr. Wade is a member of Alpha Phi Alpha, and they, you know, so they. I do remember there was some kind of banter when my daughter was sworn in to be district attorney between me and a couple of guys, and he said he remembers me. I don't remember him. And um, prior to uh, that experience that you're talking about, uh, as well as, uh, I guess, your official meeting in 2023, had you ever even heard his name? No, never. I don't think I have any further questions, Your Honor. Ms. Merchant. Yes, thank you, Fine. How are you, counsel? Good. Thank you. Just got a couple questions. Um, on Monday, we heard you were in California. Do you have a place in California? <laughs> People always ask me about where do I live. I guess I'm, I live right here at sitting in this seat right now. But yes, the answer is I have a place in Los Angeles. Okay, you do. All right. Uh, so do you share time or split time no. between Los Angeles and Georgia? Actually, I'm working on a documentary film, and I'm supposed to be being filmed not for this trial, but I'm supposed to be being filmed right now. It was planned, and we had to stop it because they asked me to come here. But um, the the answer is I'm working on a documentary, and um, I'll be in California until I finish the documentary if we don't have another actor strike and we don't have an, another writer strike. So do you, you own property in California? No, I don't. I live with a, a friend of mine. You live with a friend of yours. Okay. Yeah. And when did you first move? Um, well, let me let me qualify with the dates. Did you spend any time in 2019 in California? No. And the reason I didn't is that when I first came here, the answer is no, I did not. What happened was COVID. Once COVID hit, um, that, uh, I mean, I was just paralyzed. I couldn't go anyplace. I couldn't go anything. I mean, I'm a theater buff. I used to go to theater at least once a week. But when COVID hit, I just couldn't. I couldn't go to the dentist, which I need to do. Well, you know, I just, uh, it was just a thing. So I was just stuck. I was just well, stuck there. I may be wrong, but I believe COVID hit in 2020. So I was asking about 2019. In 2019, did you spend any time in California? Before COVID was even here in the United States, remember I lived in South Africa and I've traveled the world. I knew COVID was coming before. I knew COVID was around before. They may have announced it in, in 20, but in fact, I knew about it and I knew what was happening uh, in 19. Okay, so so let's let's walk through 2019 then. You said you moved here in September. So No, I didn't say that. I moved here probably prior to September. In September is when I got the driver's license. I probably moved in the springtime. I'm sorry, you did. You said spring summer. I see that in my notes. Um, so spring summer 2019 is when you moved here. So up until spring summer 2019, where did you live? I lived in Johannesburg. Well, I lived in Washington, D.C., 2018. I had planned to retire for the rest of my life in South Africa. I had worked for uh, Nelson Mandela and the Free Mandela and getting that, and someone I'd gone to law school, he had located there after Mandela was freed from prison and became president. 
I was going to live there for the rest of my life, but unfortunately, because of political reasons, I could not stay in South Africa, and I was forced, in a sense, to come back to the United States. Okay. So let's just focus in on the period from, let's see, let's, let's just start with October 2019, okay? We'll call that the relevant period. October 2019 until the end of 2019. Were you in Georgia every single day of that year? Absolutely. Okay. So now let's move to 2020. Okay. And every single day, before I move on, every single day in 2019, you slept at your daughter's house, correct? That's correct. Okay. So let's start in 2020. All right. So 2020, the entire year, did you travel anywhere? No. Okay. You didn't travel at all that year? Not, no. So, and I didn't go to the movies, which upset me also. Um, so that entire year, 2020, you remained here in Georgia? Right. In 2021, did you do any traveling? No. So when did you move back, or when did you start this documentary film in Los Angeles? <laughs> what I had been doing uh, to occupy time was I was writing my own memoir. Uh, as I delved into my family background, I discovered something, and that's what got me to working on the documentary. So I want you to understand what was going on in my uh, life. Um, I pitched my, I have a movie script called Bad Blood. Uh, I have a movie script trying to sell. So I tried to sell that, and I just happened to mention something that happened during the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, SNCC, um, um, it's called the SNCC Five. Uh, the uh, legendary uh, Peter Fitzsimmons uh, was interested, and so uh, with Peter Fitzsimmons and Leah Smith, uh, we're now doing the documentary. So. I, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you, but. I what I was asking was when you moved to Los Angeles, not what you moved there for. Well, you keep saying moved. Um, I haven't moved to Los Angeles. I spent more time in California, in Oakland, if you really want to just be, because uh, Peter uh, is basically San Francisco-based. So we're working on the documentary. Okay. Um, I was in Los Angeles because I was going to the Pan-African <coughs> Film Festival. And that's why we were there. And the way Hollywood works is, you know, when you make connections and film festivals are a place to try to sell ideas and meet people and organize things. Um, you still own property in Washington, D.C., correct? No, no I, I don't. You don't own property at 1467 Roxanna Road Northwest? That's where I used to live. That's where you used to live. Did right. you own that property? Yes. Okay. And um, you owned that property when you moved here in 2019? Yes. And you owned it in 2020, correct? Well, <laughs> that were you now you talk about a very complicated issue. I left the property. There was a dispute between me and I had gotten a reverse mortgage company. And uh, there was a dispute between me and the divert that. And I just, uh, I walked away from it. Okay. You walked away from it with... Almost $300,000. Yeah, what is the relevance of that? Um, where he lived and registered to vote. That's what they brought in. So that's... Why is the money he got from the uh, sale relevant at all? Um, it's the only proof I have of that he owned that address. So I can move on, though. Right. Okay. Um, when did you sell that property? I didn't. The reverse mortgage company took it. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so in 2019, when you, when you got your driver's license here, yes. the next day you registered to vote, correct? I think it may have been the same day, but maybe it was the next day. I don't remember. 
But you didn't own property here in Georgia that day? No, I was living uh, with my daughter. Um, you said that you met Mr. Wade, that you remember you met in 2023, right? <coughs> that was the first time you Correct. remember? Okay. And, and I wasn't really clear. You said something about meeting him. Was it with Mr. Isakoff or did Mr. Isakoff tell you? No, I was being interviewed by Mr. Isakoff. Okay. Um, and he walked in and I, I met him. That was the first time he, he, he walked into the office and where were you being interviewed at the district attorney's office and Mr. Wade walked into that interview. Yes. And, um, so you're, so Ms. Willis had not told you about Mr. Wade prior to that. <laughs> Absolutely not. So she didn't tell you anything about their relationship before you met him that day. No. Um, but Mr. Wade remembers meeting you in 2020. He said that at my daughter's swearing in, I do remember that we having some banner about fraternities, but other than that. Oh, at your daughter's swearing in. Okay. Right. That's all I have. Just one moment. Nothing else. Thank you. morning sir good morning how are you counsel I'm fine um, I'll try to ask you some specific questions if we could okay and I'll give specific answers if I can perfect okay the driver's license address I'm not going to publish that is state's exhibit number two but is the address on that driver's license the home that you're referring to as your daughter's in South Fulton absolutely okay <coughs> it was unclear to me Maybe no one else, but it's unclear to me. When did you stop living at what I would call your daughter's home in South Fulton? Things got so bad and threats got so many, even against uh, me, that the house became basically uninhabitable. Um, you know, I got tired of sleeping in one room one day and no one that I would say December of uh, of uh, 2022 something like that December so, of 2022 right that's that's about right yeah now let me change and go back for another date you had indicated and I didn't hear it when was your daughter Miss Willis when was she sworn in as district attorney on January 1 2021 okay and did you indicate that there was an incident, and I know you've described it. Was that incident on February the 3rd, 2021? That's my best recollection. Okay. So my question then is, after February 3rd of 2021, how much longer did Miss Willis stay at the house before she moved somewhere else? Very short period of time, and I cannot be precise, but I would bet all the money I ever made, uh, it wouldn't, wasn't more than a month and a half, if that long. Okay, so we're talking about best of your recollection, end of February into the beginning of March, give or take, of 2021, when Miss Willis would have moved to a different location. Exactly. Okay. And did Miss Willis return to the house, that is, the house that you were in, at any point in time that you can remember? From time to time, she and her security might show up for her to pick something up or take something or something. Okay. But she always would be come with her security. Okay. My question was poorly worded. I apologize. Did she come back permanently to her house? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely so, not. So as far as your 
you're aware that once Ms. Willis left the house, her house, South Fulton House, so the record's clear, uh, in either late February or into to March of 2021, best of your recollection, she's not returned to that home to live. No, she, no, it, uh, it, uh, it became uninhabitable. Um, I mean, it just, you know, I mean, that's okay. I would ha have to walk around that house looking out of every window. Um, I'd have, I, ha I made a, a habit of having to walk around the whole house. I got lights so that if somebody would come at night in the back, so that those kinds of, you know, reflecting lights, I, I had those put up, uh, I, you know, I, I don't mean to yeah, you off. Okay. All I was interested in is whether she had ever returned. No, the answer is no. Okay. Now, when Miss Willis, when your daughter left the home, time period, end of February, beginning of March, give or take, 2021, do you know where she moved to? No, and I didn't want to know. I intentionally did not want to know because I was not, you know, if somebody stuck a gun to my head and I could tell them I wasn't going to tell them anyway or not have made up something, but I didn't want to know. Okay, so would it be fair to say that if you didn't want to know, you never visited her at the place that she moved to? Oh, I never did. Never did? N never did. Okay. Do you know how long she stayed at the first place that she went to after she left her house before she moved to a second place? What I know, and this is hearsay, Counsel, uh, is that my daughter has had to move something like four times. But do you know any potential? No, I don't know any, any place. I was taken one time for Christmas Day. I've only seen my daughter, and this is very hard for me to say, but during the period my daughter left, I've only seen my, my daughter 13 times. Because I can't, and we've never seen each other more than maybe three hours because of, you know, the nightmare threats against uh, her and me. And I, and I understand that. And, and from the perspective of being a father myself, I understand what that means. So I'm going to move away from that. I was just trying to get an idea of date-wise, okay? So let me try to get one more date. In 2023, when you were being interviewed by one of the gentlemen that wrote the book at the DA's office, and Mr. Wade came in. Can you give us, other than 2023, what the date would be? I'm sorry, I can't, Counsel. How about spring, summer, <coughs> any idea? I would guess spring or summer, uh, but I, I, I can't. Okay. I don't. I'm sorry. And you've already indicated, at least to your recollection, that was the first time that you'd met Mr. Wade. Oh, absolutely. Okay. That, I'm not, not arguing with you about that. I want to go to Ms. Willis's boyfriend that you referenced. Okay. You met Ms. Willis's boyfriend, as you've characterized it, when you came here in 2019. Correct. And you met him uh, on one occasion, several occasions? Oh, uh, no, I saw him often. Oh, so you mean there was no secret that she was dating this man? Not from me. Not from you. And not, he was, a, again, he was a disc jockey of some kind. I think he had a government job during the day. I don't know what it was, but... Uh, apparently, uh, he would uh, do weddings and so forth and so on. He was a disc jockey, played music. So he had all his, all his stuff was always in the way, and I was always having to try to push it aside. And, you know, anyway. But, Ms. Wilson, your daughter didn't keep him from you, correct? No. No, I mean, there was no doubt he... I mean, we lived in... My daughter and I lived in the same house. I mean, I, you know, it, he came and went, you know. 
Right. Um, now, when did you learn that your daughter had a romantic personal relationship with Mr. Wade? Well, about seven weeks ago when it, as a matter of fact, I, uh, uh, I, I just found out when other folks found out. Okay. But, and is your daughter, as I understand it, never told you one time in the year of 2022 that she was dating Mr. Wade, correct? That's correct. Uh, and until recently, you didn't know from anyone, including your daughter, that she dated Mr. Wade, correct? That's correct. That is, whatever the relationship is between father and daughter, uh, she kept that a secret from you, correct? Correct. That's all I need to know. Mr. Stockton. No. Good morning. Mr. Good morning. Correct. Good morning, Counselor. When your daughter moved or left the house that she owned, did did she say anything to you about having a large uh, savings of cash? Oh no, she. Oh no. See, maybe excuse me, and I, Your Honor, I'm not trying to be racist, okay? But it's a black thing, okay? You know, I was trained. And most black folks, they hide cash or they keep cash. And uh, I was, no, I train, you always keep some cash because uh, I've been places, and just because of the color of my skin, for example, I took a fellowship at Harvard when my daughter was just, a, a, if I might, Your Honor, if I might, when I was just, uh, she was just, you know, maybe three years old. And I remember going to a restaurant in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I had a American Express credit card and maybe a visa or whatever. And uh, I had a lot of um, what they call traveler's checks. I don't even know if they still have traveler's checks, but traveler's checks. And there was a sign said, you know, with the credit card, for whatever reasons, the man would not take my American Express credit card. So I pulled out my visa card. And he wouldn't take my visa card. So then I pulled out my traveler's checks. He said, we don't take checks. Now, this was, these were traveler's checks. This was money. I had a $10 bill. I'll never forget this as long as I live. And uh, he said, uh, uh, the bill for my wife at the time, uh, Fonny's mother, Fonny and myself, was like $9.95. And I had a $10 bill. That was all that. And I always remember that. Um, but even before that, I've always kept cash, I, you know, and I've told my daughter, you keep six months worth of cash always. For example, I have three safes in my house. Uh, I put some of my clients stuff there, too, uh, things I didn't want other lawyers to be. I mean, because you're always in a firm and I knew that there were special conditions. So some of my clients things I would bring home, put them in the safe. But I've always kept safes. And as a matter of fact, I gave my daughter uh, her first cash box and told her, always keep some cash. So is that a yes? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's all I got, Judge. Mr. Durham. No questions. Mr. McDougald. No questions, Your Honor. Thank you. Mr. Rice. No questions, Your Honor. Mr. Gillen. It's still morning. Good morning, sir. 
<laughs> Good morning, Consul. How are you? Just fine. Just a few questions following up. Uh, when uh, you were talking about when you learned about uh, Mr. Wade and, and your daughter, correct? Correct. Now, did, did your daughter tell you in around October of 2022 that she had gone on a Caribbean cruise with Mr. Wade to uh, the uh, Bahamas? The answer is I knew that my daughter had gone, but I did not know who she went with or what the circumstances were. So I knew that she had gone out of town, but I didn't know with whom. I see. And did she tell you uh, in November of 2022 that she had gone to Aruba uh, and stayed at a, uh, a Hyatt Regency resort there in Aruba for three <laughs> days with Mr. Wade. Did she tell you the, that? The, the answer was, again, I knew she went out of town. I didn't even know where she went. I knew she was going out of town. She told me she was going out of town. I think she might have said she was going out of the country or something. She'd be gone. But other than that, that was all. Okay. And did she tell you uh, in March of, of uh, 2023 that she was going to Belize for several days with Mr. Wade? Uh, the same answer that uh, I knew she she would tell me she was going out of town uh, and uh, she may or may not have told me where she was going, but she'd be gone for a couple of days. OK, now in 2023, you were uh, you were uh, in many days, you would be out in California, correct? Some days I'd be in California, correct. OK, well, did she tell you uh, in May of 2023 that she was traveling to the to Napa Valley? with Mr. Wade, so maybe y'all could see each other when she visited California with Mr. Wade? Uh, the answer is no. And so the first time that you ever met Mr. Wade or learned about Mr. Wade, uh, to your recollection, was in 2023? That's correct. Uh, that's all I have, Your Honor. Thank you. Mr. Kajuraf. On Zoom. Yes, Your Honor, just a couple quick questions. Good morning, sir. I know I can't see you. I can't see you either, but we, we uh, take a moment. We can, good morning, Council. We can take a moment. Uh, let's just pause, see if we can change the screens <coughs> to show Mr. Kachura. Sorry. Your Honor, I'm on, a, uh, I'm on a phone, so it's kind of difficult. Can you turn your screen on, though? I'm trying to. Just to hold one more moment. All right, there we go. You can proceed, Mr. Kachurov. Uh, sir, you seem to know about the issue of cash in this transaction. You said it was a black thing. How did you know that the cash was going to be an issue in this testimony? Because I was asked for it, and I was prepped by the lawyers, and they asked me about it. Uh, <laughs> what else? And, and did you speak with Mr. Wade about your testimony? No. Did you speak with your daughter about your testimony? She may have been present when the lawyers were. I just, I, I really don't remember. If Mr. Wade and your daughter were dating, you wouldn't have known that unless your daughter told you. What do you, I, I'm, maybe I'm not understanding your question, counsel. So maybe you want to restate. What's, what, what is it that you're asking me? Yeah, if it wasn't clear, I can re-ask the question. I'll, I'll rephrase yeah, it. Yeah, right, yeah. Mr. Wade, if Mr. Wade and your daughter were dating, 
You wouldn't have known that unless your daughter told you. I did not know that they were dating. And when were you talking about the cash? I didn't know that. Uh, I, I don't know what you're what you're asking me. What I told my child from the time she was a child is always have some money. Always have some money. If you go on a date so that people don't try to stick you and you want to leave whoever, always keep some <laughs> cash. Okay. Mr. Floyd, I, I, you answered the question that the attorneys prepped you for that, so that's all I wanted to know. Anything else, Mr. Kucherov? <clears throat> that's it, Your Honor. All right. Uh, Mr. Cromwell. No questions, Your Honor. Mr. Abadi? You, Your Honor. Uh, Mr. Floyd, now, it wasn't common for your daughter to confide in you about her romantic life at all. No, uh, <laughs> and I didn't. I haven't confided in her about mine before when I had one. Okay. Hate <laughs> and you wouldn't have known about her boyfriend, the district. Hey, Debs. That objection. Uh, I think that might have just been a still off mute. Okay, let's keep going. Now, uh, you wouldn't have known about her boyfriend, uh, the disc jockey, had you not been living with her. Correct. That's correct. I'll allow uh, overruled. I have nothing further. Did he, did he answer the question? He did. He said that's correct. All right. By show of hands, any uh, redirect on those points only. Ms. Merchant. Yes. Um, I just want to know when, when you were prepped by the lawyers, when this prep session was. I just got off the plane on, I get, what was it, Tuesday night? I think I was probably drooling at the mouth. I was so tired. I, so it must have been, I got in Wednesday. It must have been Wednesday. And um, did you talk about any of the testimony from yesterday or watching news reports or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. You can't cut the TV on without seeing this. The first first thing, and I listen to conservative radio a lot, and, you know, last night for five hours, all they talked about was this case. So you were aware of what the testimony your daughter gave yesterday was? Yeah. I, I mean, how could, I mean, unless you don't, cut the radio on, unless you don't cut the television on, unless you don't read the AJC or any other, the New York Times or whatever, which I do every day, uh, of course. Um, so is it fair to say nobody instructed you that you were under the rule of sequestration? Right, and I'm, I, I'm not under subpoena either. Thank you. All right, anything else? Seeing and hearing none, thank you, Mr. Floyd. Thank you very much, John. It's a pleasure. To appear in front of your honor. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, Ms. Cross, let me check in. Was the state planning to call additional witnesses? Uh, not at this time, Your Honor. We're again, trying to accommodate if there's a, a lapse sure. in schedule to um, be able to this afternoon. But right now, that was our last witness. Okay. So even if Mr. Bradley testifies to some extent, it's still the potential that the state has no further witnesses? I anticipate at least one more will be available this afternoon, um, but that, that would Okay, so there are potentially more state's witnesses. All right. And Judge, before we move on, I'd move to strike the black witnesses testimony. All right, so uh, I think the rule is invoked and the instruction was uh, for the parties to tell all witnesses subpoenaed or expected to appear about the rule. I don't think the remedy is necessarily striking. I think it can go also to this credibility as well. So to that extent, uh, I'll, unless Ms. Cross, you want something else to be heard on that. Um, point is made all right um do we have an update for mr bradley okay 
then what I think we should do is have these preliminary conversations about privilege, see if we can make any headway, and then take our uh, take our afternoon break. So to that end, counselors, I don't know if you just want to argue in place there or go to the table, whatever makes you comfortable. But uh, Mr. Chopra, I think uh, maybe it was relayed to you since you weren't in the court earlier this morning. Uh, we'd had some initial conversations about the distinction between the privilege and Rule 1.6, and it sounded like you wanted to be heard on that. Your Honor, um, it was across my attention. What do you need? Well, a copy of the case in front of me would be helpful, but it's not necessary. It would just take me a second um, to keep looking at my phone and respond to the court. Whatever you need to do. Um, Your Honor, I believe the case is for in anticipation of reaching the rule of 1.6 is only Corning Fiberglass versus American Citizen. Is that correct? It's difficult hearing counsel. Could you? Yeah. There's a microphone there at the jury box. You can try to either try to lift that microphone up and speak in the jury box or make your way over to the podium or table. Is that any better? All right. And no, that was a uh, that was authority provided by Mr. Sadow over uh, our morning recess. And I think that was indicated to go more towards a potential uh, crime fraud argument. I don't think we've really gotten there yet. It's not crime fraud per se. It's the same notion. Um, it's fraud on the court. Different proposition. Okay. But yes, as to attorney-client privilege waiver, right. 1.6 confidentiality. The, the case that I had uh, cited to this morning showing the distinction between the two was tenant health care. <clears throat> so that's where we were on the threshold issue. Did you have something that you wanted to address on that? I have not been able to review that, Your Honor. I was unfortunately... All right, Mr. Ward, your co-counsel with Mr. Bradley? No, Your Honor, uh, I'm not here to that. Remind me why you are here. I'm not here to assist you. You did assist me. Okay, so you are co-counsel on this. Right, and the citation for that is 273 Georgia 206. Um, I'll give you time to review that. In the meantime, uh, what other things did you want me to know? And perhaps at this point, we just take our break now, unless you also want to talk about the questions that are provided by Ms. Merchant, seeing if there's any, again, anything we can achieve. So that I can be clear, it is apparent that at this point we're going to go into whether or not 1.6 provides privilege for Mr. Wade, even though he has specifically stated that he does not waive that privilege. Therefore, it would be incumbent upon the court to issue an order to demand that Mr. Bradley, over and above the privilege afforded in 1.6, is required to testify. Is that correct? That's right. That's what we covered this morning. And so I would ask the court, is the court then going to travel under the fraud exception? We haven't quite gotten there. We haven't decided whether uh, attorney-client privilege uh, applies. I think there are some other things that we would have to do to, I think we were just, we got held up yesterday on 1.6. Uh, as I understood it, I was waiting to hear from you whether we are now beyond that. And then if attorney, if we're in the land of attorney-client privilege and only attorney-client privilege, so Rule 505, then I think Mr. Sadow has some arguments on crime fraud. 
And I think there's also just the general arguments of, does it exist? Were certain statements in furtherance? Does Mr. Bradley have any knowledge independent of those? Certainly. Right? And in order to keep the court abreast, yes, we are still traveling under, uh, there should be a privilege afforded to Mr. Wade under 1.6, and we are aware of how they will um, try to convince the court that that should be overcome. So I, I, hopefully I can read sure. this case in less okay. than five minutes. All right, that's fine. Um, anything, I guess, bef as he reads that, let's, let's do this. Assuming we do get beyond 1.6, if you can work with me here, uh, anything we want to add to that? I'm afraid I would have to hear what the arguments were that got us past 1.6. Okay. Judge, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to insinuate to the court that we would do something else. I don't okay. Know. But there was a line of questioning that Ms. Merchant decided to write out and share with the parties. Were there any initial thoughts, comments, reactions to that? Again, just trying to make sure we make the best use of Mr. Bradley's time once he arrives. Um, Your Honor, I, I just want to say that, um, that might just reiterate that my client has not waived the attorney client privilege. The, um, the questions that we reviewed this morning, um, Mr. Bradley is not able to testify about anything relating to Wade's marriage or dating history after December 2018. That's going to be the operative date. Um, nor does any of the questions um, that Mr. Bradley cite to any external knowledge or sources. Anything he will say would be derived entirely from privileged communications with our clients, so we just want to renew our objection. Okay. So certainly the assertion of the privilege is confirmed and uh, for the record. And I think, again, this is where we got held up yesterday, is that um, I know you're asserting that certain answers to these questions would be covered by privilege. I think there's still some boxes we would need to check before we can confirm that. And we'd have to, we'd have to check those boxes with Mr. Bradley before we can get there. Okay, if there's nothing else, then let's break until 1 o'clock. All right, thank you all.
I will say that I do remember at some point it was myself, you, BC, and Bert there, but people were coming in and out of the courtroom, so I cannot sit here and say accurately say that somebody else wasn't there at the time. Um, we talked, I mean, and, and people could have talked coming on, but essentially Correct. we talked for about a half an hour. No, it wasn't an hour. Um, and that's the only time we spoke in person about anything related to this matter, correct? Correct. Um, and based on that phone conversation, I told you I had been submitting open records requests and I could continue to submit open records requests, correct? Based off what phone conversation? Based upon our conversation in court. Oh, okay. Um, correct. You you said that you were doing some open records requests, correct? And then based on our conversation, I said there was going to be some additional open records. Which open record, records request are you talking about? The Senate. I'm just asking if we talked about that I was going to be doing some follow-up. The Fulton County. Because I recall open records requests being made for other things, and so I don't know which one that you're referring to. Um, we, at that time, we talked about um, getting, a, I guess it's called a, a county card, and getting access cards and things like that for coming in and out of Fulton County for you, Mr. Wayne, okay. um, and, and all of the access that you all have. Yes, yes, and you asked me, did I have an access card? And you are the one that told me that you and Mr. Wayne, or Mr. Wayne at least had an access I told you that the three of us had an access card because we um, had a contract with the DA's office or the county. Um, I told you what those contracts were and that we had an access card that will allow us to pick up the documents, go into a specific office and leave out. Right. Okay, and so we talked about, um, about that Correct. And then a couple days later, um, I sent you a text. And then when I say a couple days, so that was on September 12th when we had that conversation. Do you mind if I pull out my phone? Not at all. Okay. On September 14th um, at 6.38 p.m. What day was this? It was September 14th. September 14th, correct. And I sent you a screenshot of a Fulton County opening records request I did? Yes, and I said, wow. Um, and then, and then we continued to text. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. And then you sent another text about a badge, and I did not respond. You sent another text about an interest card, entrance card. I did not respond. You sent another text about some other badges and with a circle around it, and I did not respond. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Um, uh, Mr. I, Bradley, if you could just respond to the question asked and only the question asked. That would Thank actually, you, I, I have an additional okay. thing I want to raise. Ms. Merchant provided some text messages that she let us know that she was going to refer to. Uh, the text messages are inconsistent with Mr. Bradley's. Uh, exchange as he apparently is reading it off of his phone. So if I could ask Ms. Merchant to 
true, accurate, and complete, um, and perhaps we can see what's on Mr. Bradley's son, but more importantly, I am going to object, I understand the court's leeway about Mr. Sure. Being able to establish contact um, based on, on previous uh, statements made, but I'm concerned about going into the content of the, the statements without putting things in the buckets so that I've, I've Sure, and, and so am I, Ms. Merchant. I'm not seeing so much the relevance of, of it back and forth. I'm allowing you to establish, you know, the contact that was made in, in line with the outline you, you provided me, and I, and I think we're on track with that. Were you, tendering, were you planning to tender these text messages? I was planning on discussing them with him. Now, if yesterday he said we didn't talk text about this case, so if that was his testimony again today, then yes, I will at least I would show them to him to refresh the recollection or um, to impeach him. But, Judge... Their, their first part of their argument is foundation, um, is what I'm assuming. They're saying all of these. They're not all relevant. I can give you all of my texts, but they're not all relevant. And so they asked for screenshots, and so I took screenshots. If there is a way to submit my entire text history with Mr. Bradley, then that's fine. If they want us to read every single text, that's fine. I just don't want to be in a position where people are saying that, that, that I'm not. Well, I also want to avoid the situation where you as counsel of record are having to lay the foundation and, and do that sort of thing yourself. So I don't know how much further we can go with this before we get into that. So, Well, I'm not sure what their objection is. He, so I asked him about one question, and he read Sure. Several Why don't we just go with your next question, and we'll see where we go from there. But... So, and Bradley, why don't you wait for her to ask a question? I, and I understand that, Judge, and I'm not well, trying apparently to. Apparently, you don't, sir. Wait for her to ask a question, and you'll have a chance. Um, so, I think what I, the, the last thing I asked you was about September 14th. Um, so, those texts that you're talking about, those refer to the issue that we're here today about them. Some texts did, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, and then you called me again on September 15th, 2023, and you spoke on the phone. I do not recall that. Well, I texted you and said I needed to call you back. And then I later called you back? I, I'm not sure. I'm not, I do not recall. You don't recall that? Okay. And um, if you recall the following Monday, um, Your Honor, I, I appreciate the, the question um, as it is on the form. And if the question is what she's going to read, I object to it even being asked out loud without knowing, um, number one, the, the relevance of it. If that, if the witness is going to answer the source of information, and I feel like it is so inflammatory, inflammatory as to say out out loud, um, without knowing where Mr. Bradley uh, falls on that, then I, I do have an objection to question. Okay. All right. With all due respect, if I might just for a moment, why is it that we're not allowed to ask the question, and then when the question is asked, there's an objection made? either by the state or the lawyers for this particular witness, it appears that what the state would like to do is force us to tell you in advance every question we're going to ask before there's an objection raised. And I don't understand why they get to do that. We are obviously in the same position to say to them, tell us every question you're going to ask first. I realize it's a privilege, but that can be the questions asked, state objects, Chopra objects, in the court rules, but not being able to put it on the record because it's inflammatory or it's somehow prejudicial, I don't think that's, I'm just suggesting. Sure. So, Mr. Sena, I'd, I'd agree with you in the general sense of things, but in this situation, Ms. Merchant offered to provide essentially her list of questions in advance, giving us a preview of what she's going to say. 
and that puts us in kind of a different posture in that respect where we can actually have some sense of what's going to come out. Um, but Ms. Merchant, I, I think knowing what your next question may be, since usually we don't have that opportunity, uh, does it presuppose some knowledge on his part that we have yet to establish is inside or outside of privilege? Well, the first thing, Greg, is I gave these questions so that, that you wouldn't be in a situation sure. Which I've, which I've already said we can do and we can go over, but the, and, you've, and we've already started doing that. But the next question, as, as you plan to ask it, uh, may presuppose, again, some information that he has that we need to determine whether it's inside or outside of privilege. Is that right? Um, no. Well, I, I don't believe so, no. I mean, I, if, if we're going to talk about the privilege, I, I wanted to talk about it beforehand, which is why I gave all of these. I, wasn't, I didn't know the state had objections on these questions see a way around that, Ms. Cross. I, I, I understand, Your Honor, I'm going to do what every time they do. Um, the, the problem in the context that Ms. Merchant is posing the question is, this was our communication, this is what I asked you, this is what you told me, and here are these texts that are, that are supporting it. <clears throat> I understand the court's ruling that based on um, how things have gone, if, if Ms. Merchant feels like she needs to establish there was contact and communication, then I don't have an objection to that. However, number one, the text message that exchange that the merchant gave me is apparently not complete. And so I don't know, like, without making her a witness, how the state can, um, as we're entitled to, if you can refer to text messages, we're, we're entitled to an accurate representation of what those are. So now he's looking at his phone and that's what he's got. He is under no obligation. Ms. Merchant provided those to us and I appreciate it. But I can't tell as I'm sitting here to object to an incomplete or an inaccurate recitation if what she gave him isn't complete. So a couple things come to mind. Um, one would be that anything the witness has the, is referring to on the stand, a, a counsel at any point has the right to inspect. And so if that's what you're asking for, Ms. Cross, then I think you have a right to do that if, if he decided to do that. Um, the other is, is as, as I've seen it so far, I don't think these texts are coming in as substantive evidence, but more for impeachment, in which case extrinsic evidence would never be coming in to prove them up. And he either takes her answer or he doesn't. And that's how it works. So I, I don't see the foundation issue or the completeness issue really playing into it as it comes to impeachment. And they Ms. Merchant, um, I think um, at this point, again, I don't see anything e extravagant about the next question on his face. I think we need to deal with it as it goes, so you can proceed. Um, I asked you where I could get an affidavit from about the affair, and you responded, no, because you didn't think anybody would flee burn that bridge. Isn't that true? If you say so. I mean, I don't. Do you have your text if you need to refresh your memory? 
December 18th at 3.11 p.m. Can you repeat the question? The question is, did I text you asking you if you knew who I could get an affidavit from about the affair? And you responded, no. No one would freely burn that bridge. Yes, I do see that. Then I asked you if Chris Campbell knew, correct? No, you asked me if under oath he would testify. Your Honor, again, I'm going to object to the source of the witness's information about that, whether that's first-hand information or not. And Mr. Campbell, of course, has a privilege, too. Well, since Mr. Campbell hadn't even been brought in to this proceeding at all, I'm also wondering about just the relevance of asking questions about Mr. Campbell. It's been objected that I'm not asking about all the texts, and I'm selectively asking, so I'm trying to go through all of them. I would much rather just ask the very relevant ones. Well, I have an objection to her asking. I can't tell if the statements or the testimony provided is consistent or inconsistent without a complete set of this text exchange. And it's not clear in the text exchange what the source of Mr. Bradley's information that he's providing is. And so that is, I'm struggling, and I know everybody else is. And again, I think you're focusing more on the merits than the impeachment value, right? If the sole purpose this is coming in is under those grounds, then you being able to match them up word for word, I don't see that as being a necessary prerequisite. But as it relates to Mr. Campbell, he's not a witness yet, and he hasn't come in. I don't think he's come up really at all other than passing and maybe the firm. So why don't we skip ahead to the next questions, and you could always come back to that if somehow he has made an issue in this case. That's great, Judge. I just needed some clarity because the state is objecting that it's not full and accurate. I'm keeping things out, and then they're objecting that I'm putting too much in. So I'm just trying to avoid every question having an objection, Judge. So on January 5th, 2024, we had a text exchange where we talked about that I had discovered that Nathan took Fonny on a cruise and a trip and paid for it with the business card. You told me you were on a plane home from Dubai, but you would call me as soon as you got home. Do you remember that? So what I have is a text message from you saying, oh, my God, Nathan took Fonny on a trip to Napa and paid for it with his firm. Okay. Continue reading. And you said, is he that dumb? And I said, wow, I'm on a plane from Dubai, land at 3. We'll call you as soon as I land. So that is accurate. That's what you told me. That I will call you as soon as I land and wow? Yes. Yes, that is accurate. And then you told me that you weren't surprised because they took many trips to Florida, Texas, and California. Okay, so I don't have that, but I can 
show my phone, but I, I don't have that in my phone. So the question is just, do you recall? I do not recall. Communicating that to me? I do not recall. All right. Do you recall telling me that it was when um, she had to move her daughter a trip to California? I do not recall that. And um, Judge, may I approach the witness? You may. Thank you. Yes, I see this. Okay. Does that look like uh, does it refresh the matter? It does not. I mean, I, I see what's on the text uh, chain, but um, you said this happened January 5th? I can tell you exactly what happened. Because there's no date and time stamp on that. Let's see. It was, let's see, it was if it was January 5th, but just give me Judge, I, I just want to, on behalf of Mr. Wayne, just to review the again. To which, to which question? To the current question, we still don't know the source of this information, whether it was privileged or how we obtained it. I'm wondering now if there's a timeliness issue on your objection since he already, well, he asked, he said he just, he doesn't recall. Right. So he, there's. He, he just gave the date. He didn't. Sure. Well, his, his question or his answer was he doesn't recall and his memory has not been refreshed. So I think it's time for the next question. Um, may I approach the witness, Judge? Okay. Can I see what you're approaching oh, yeah. the witness with? Please? Is this a complete text change? Yeah, it's a complete text change. While they're looking at that, can I just ask you, did you delete any text messages? I, I have several messages in the phone with you. I don't, I, I've never deleted. I mean, there are messages about family and my health and mm -hmm. things like that. You asked me to be on some panel. Yes. Um, and so I, no, I, I think it's complete, but. Well, no, my question was, <coughs> did you delete anything? No, I, I haven't deleted anything. Okay. I have not. And I offered them to look through my phone earlier if they are welcome to. You never provided with you. I said you the physical you phone. You never provided. <laughs> it's right. the only phone I have, Judge. Yeah, I, I understand, and I don't want to keep popping up. But my concern, of course, is that these exchanges are just two lawyers gossiping about information, and I'm I'm concerned about it coming into the record in this way. I understand impeachment is a thing, but if we could. Um, do it in a way that the substance of this gossip is not, um, that part is not engaging. The contact is engaging. So I, I don't think we've gotten to that point quite yet, Ms. Cross, but you can renew your objection if you think we have. So right now, the sole thing that Ms. Merchant is trying to do is hand him an object to refresh his recollection again. So we'll see where we get with that. And I don't have any way to download it. Mr. Zeta. 
court is a trier of fact. You're going to be able to determine whether something that has come in, if you choose to, is hearsay, whether it's admissible, whether it's relevant, whether it's impeachment. You're in a position that if it all comes in, but you um, reserve the right, or all parties reserve the right to object, uh, we can deal with it. This is not a jury. We don't have to worry about the jury hearing something that it will no longer consider. All we're doing now, with all due respect, and I understand there's a process, the state doesn't want something to be heard. I object to that. They've repeatedly <laughs> attempted to stop questioning. Your Honor can hear it all and then decide what is and is not relevant or admissible. We don't have to go through every single one of these. The only time you have to go through this is if it is in fact a communication and it's a privileged communication and an argument has to be made at that point as to whether or not it should be elicited or it is subject to being stated in open court. Otherwise, all of this could come to the court and the court can then decide how it wants to treat it. That's all right. Uh, I appreciate that, Mr. Sadown. I think you're it's certainly accurate that we could have an approach where if it's a close toss-up on an evidentiary question, we can have it all come in and sort it out later on the record. Uh, I, I, I don't think we've quite reached the point where I need to do that. I think we still have time to get into these, and, and it'd be my preference to keep the record as clean as possible and without questionable evidentiary issues. Uh, but we may get to that point. So. The question from Ms. Merchant was to approach the witness and with an object to see if that would refresh his recollection to the last question asked. Yes. Now, I'm sorry, the state scrolled through it, so not right there again. No, I mean like it was on the screen. <clears throat> I can't find it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to move on to the next question that I actually can't find, and then I'll find that and come back to it. Um, I sent you um, a statement and said, upon information and belief, Willis and Wade met while both were serving as a magistrate judge in and began a romantic relationship at that time, and you corrected me and say, no, it was in municipal court. Is that correct? I think that's pretty accurate. And is that based on your personal knowledge? But what question? Was it municipal court or when they first met or? My question was, is this accurate? Upon information and belief, Willis and Wade met while both were serving as magistrate judges and began a romantic relationship at that time. And you wrote, know that it was municipal court. Okay, so, so I answer, Mr. Bradley, just a second. Uh, Mr. Chopra has risen. All right, um, Your Honor, <laughs> I do have one purpose here and that purpose has now been met. Um, any information that Mr. Bradley may possess would in fact have come from his representation of Mr. Wade 
this falls within the purview of his divorce proceedings, which, as we testified earlier, commenced in December of 2018. There's no pierce or shield associated with it, and so we would say that under Rule 1.6, we should not be compelled to give any further information. Okay, and as we discussed about before the uh, break, Ms. Chopra, if I ruled earlier this morning that um, this witness is going to be uh, directed to respond to any question to the extent it falls outside of attorney-client privilege and only attorney-client privilege, meaning one point is, is not going to bar his testimony in this case. What would be your response then? Then uh, Mr. Bradley would have to consistently assess on his own, unless I'm jumping up and objecting for him, whether or not this came within his knowledge based on his representation. And I can say based on the phrasing of the question from Ms. Merchant, it would in fact come within information obtained from his partner client at the time associated with the activity in question. All right, Mr. Um, Mr. Evans, same issue. Uh, I just want to reiterate that that's a, it's a compound question anyway, that it, so it needs to be separated out. But it's still based, we, we, we just reviewed the objection that it's still based on gossip, either gossip or privileged communication. He doesn't ever cite the source of where any of this information is coming from, so I just wanted to make that objection. Okay. Judge, as far as privilege, um, any privilege objection, it's been waived, particularly for this issue, because Mr. Wade. You did testify on this subject. Testified on this subject. Well, he didn't, excuse me, he didn't testify as a communication with his attorney about any subject. He testified factually about what trips he took and events that occurred. He didn't testify, to, to my recollection, about any communication with his attorney. But he, he testified about the subject matter of the question that was just asked, which was when. Uh, apparently, they first met. Furthermore, Judge, my client wasn't privy to that testimony. We have been under subpoena and therefore under the rules, so we do not know what was or was sure. not testified to. Everything he says would be a violation of that privilege unless we know specifically what all has been waived. Sure. Unless I make a finding that there was an express waiver on behalf of the client. Yes. Per question. Okay. And, and, uh, sure. Got it. So All for right. this question particularly, Judge, we would ask that you find that there has been a waiver of the attorney-client privilege because Mr. Wade testified to something directly different than what this witness, we believe, has okay. knowledge. Ms. Cross? Yeah, so I, Mr. Wade testified as to when they met. That is not the entire substance of the text message that missed and began a romantic relationship. Yes. He did not testify that they okay. were serving as magistrate judges when they began a romantic relationship. All right. He testified differently. Okay, Ms. Merchant, I think you're going to need to establish whether this witness ever gained that knowledge independently or during the course of a attorney-client relationship. Um, did you have any, uh, thinking back to the source of your knowledge, and, and let me just, before I do that, let me remind you of what is covered by attorney-client privilege. Is communications that relate to matters in which legal advice is sought and communications that have been maintained in confidence and no exceptions to the privilege. So it's communications that are in furtherance of legal advice. Your knowledge that their affair began, that their romantic relationship, I'm sorry, began um, while they were both serving as municipal court judges. Is that from your personal information, your personal knowledge, or is that from? I'm going to overrule that objection, Mr. Chopra. He can answer that question. State that question again. Your knowledge? Is, is any knowledge, if any? If any knowledge of Nathan Wade and Fonnie Willis's relationship, romantic relationship beginning while they were both serving as judges, 
is any knowledge that you have from your own personal knowledge or something that was told to you in furtherance of legal advice? I have no personal knowledge of when it actually happened. Um, I was not there. I do not have any personal knowledge, so okay. I would choose not to answer that question under 1.6. Okay. Um, Mr. Bradley, we, we made a distinction earlier. Yes, sir. That it's a bit narrower than that. Okay. 1.6 is incorrect. I have no personal knowledge, Judge. I apologize. Okay. If you were that's, no, that's, not, that's not a problem. The issue is, is attorney-client privilege, and so whether what you learned, if anything, was during communications with a client. It was. Okay. Ms. Merchant. And, and was it that any knowledge that you had as to the truth of that statement, was it told to you in furtherance of legal advice? I'm going to object to that. If that statement is true. That's how I And the witness has already testified he has no personal knowledge about that. So whether he represented at one point it was true or not true, he has no personal knowledge about that, so could not testify. Prior inconsistent statement, Judge. Do it all the time. That is what the state it's does regularly. They bring in, if it's a prior inconsistent statement of another witness, Judge. This, it, Mr. Which, Wade which testified. other witness? I'm okay. sorry. Okay, Mr. Wade testified. That this, that their relationship did not start. But you can't impeach him with a prior inconsistent statement that's privileged. And so we're still, we, we haven't gotten over the privilege hurdle. The privilege, said, the privilege hurdle we've gotten over with fraud on this instance. Well, we have, that's the first time you use that word. So if you want to make the argument of why that applies, you can do that now. Yes, Judge. The crime fraud exception, it applies because of the crime fraud exception. Um, Which crime and or fraud was committed here? So there's a couple different things, and, and I want to just address them both because he's raised 1.6 and also raised attorney-client privilege. Um, for the crime fraud exception says the privilege doesn't apply if it's... Um, if the existence of it, essentially if he has to keep something secret to allow a, a fraud upon the court to continue. So we've got that. We've also got... Um, no, it has to, if the legal communications have to have done in furtherance of a crime or fraud. How has that been established? And what, again, what crime or fraud are we talking about? We're talking about perjury, lying to the court. In the affidavit filed last month. Yes. And so what have you done to link the communications that he made maybe... I don't know, years ago, to the affidavit filed last month. The communications he made years ago? It's, it's, proof of the, it's proof of the affidavit being incorrect, being false. He's given, it, he's it given a prior be, inconsistent statement. But the legal communication has to be in furtherance of a crime or fraud. Right. That, right, but he also can't protect. So, And I think it's more under... But, um, but if he had no idea... An affidavit wasn't even going to need to be filed until a month ago. Right. And these communications and everything happened well before that. How is anything that they communicated in furtherance of that affidavit that they didn't even know would have to be filed one day? It's just, it's been waived. That part's been waived because he filed the affidavit. So you can't, you can't file something that's false and then your lawyer know that it's false and then say, oh, well, privilege, my lawyer can't correct that. When he waives the privilege and he waived the privilege, he testified about this yesterday. Okay, Ms. Cross. I, I don't think that's even close to an accurate representation of what the law in this area is. And beyond the real um, kind of <coughs> throwing out fraud and this and crimes, um, which what you have, Your Honor, is a conflict in the evidence at this point. I know which way the weight of the evidence appears to me, but that's going to be for the court to judge. But conflict in the evidence, that is not a crime. That is not a fraud. That is not perjury. 
has a conflict in the evidence for the court to review. So I, I agree with you there that you would have to first establish a crime or fraud occurred by a preponderance. Got it. And uh, any, anything else? Just that she can't, under the guise of impeachment of this witness, number one, establish that. Number two, the witness has already said he doesn't have any personal knowledge of that. And there is no, the kind of specificity that is required to um, lay the predicate for a crime fraud exception to the attorney-client privilege is nowhere close to being met here. Okay. Uh, anyone else want to be heard? Mr. Sadow. Yes, Your Honor. This is what I said to the court earlier. This is not crime fraud. The scenario in the case I said, you want me to cite it for the record? Uh, go for it. Okay. It's Owens Corning Fiberglass Corporation versus American Centennial Insurance Company at all, and it is Testifies 
to what he has told in text messages to Ms. Merchant on behalf of Mr. Roman, that he absolutely knows that the relationship started before November 1st of 2021, then he's testifying that his client took the stand and lied under oath and therefore did a fraud upon the court. So my request is, in this regard, the court's going to have to hear from counsel, and that is counsel to Mr. Bradley, and for Mr. Bradley to determine whether or not he actually said what he said to Ms. Merchant and whether or not it was based on communications, whatever it took place with Mr. Wood. All right, Mr. Seda, I understand. Thank you for clarifying your argument there. So I understand this fraud upon the court theory, and what I'd been going back and forth with Ms. Merchant on earlier was that, as I understood, crime fraud applied in Georgia was that the communications had to have been in furtherance of a crime. And to me, that presupposes the existence of a crime at the time or the forming of one at the time of the communications. The theory you're putting forward is one where we go back in time and can reopen that box because it's now become relevant for something completely potentially unconnected to the communications whatsoever. Is that fair? That falsity has occurred now by the very person who is attempting to use the communications as a shield to protect his lies. Okay. And when I say crime fraud, it's a fraud waiver. That's what Millich calls it, essentially. I mean, Millich says that it doesn't offend the privilege to ask an attorney to testify to matters already freely discussed by the attorney and a client at another hearing or proceeding. Allowing a client to selectively waive and reassert the privilege as tactics dictates, suggests that the client is using the privilege as a sword and not merely a shield. So I think it was quite explicit that Mr. Wade never waived anything regarding to communications between him and Mr. Bradley. He was willing to discuss the subject matter, but he was never willing to get into communications that occurred between him and Mr. Bradley. So as to Mr. Sadow's point of this fraud upon the court theory, my question is going to be, has it ever been applied in Georgia? The answer to that is it's not appeared to have been applied in Georgia. I cannot find a case in which it has been applied. The cases that I have, the case that I gave you plus the case that's cited in there, are the only thing I've been able to locate. Although I think that the bar rules, if we want to go back to those, and I'm not going to tell you, that a lawyer should not allow his client to commit a fraud upon the court. And I think that, along with this, gives the court the discretion to do that. And the only way to make the record, even if the court suggests that this is the law that the court should apply, but even if the court disagrees, there's no way for there to be a record about it unless Your Honor does it ex parte in camera to determine the nature of the privilege, which, of course, Your Honor knows from earlier days, is how judges can do it with the Fifth Amendment privilege. They can do it with any privilege as long as it's ex parte in camera. So what I'm asking the court to do, because when I get up, I'm going to ask them directly. I'm not going to go through this that's going on now. To find out whether or not Mr. Wade has ever told Mr. Bradley, in his capacity as his attorney or otherwise, that the relationship started earlier than what Mr. Wade testified to. All right, understood. So the big takeaway I'm hearing from that, Mr. Sadow, is that, once again, we're hearing the words, a matter of first impression here, and noted. Mr. Gillen. Yeah, very quickly, Your Honor. Number one, apparently now he's claiming a privilege, which he certainly did not assert when he was communicating the text with Ms. Burgess. Sure, but do we have any indication Mr. Wade waived it and allowed him to communicate by that text? We know what he did. 
We know what he did. So and how is that an implied waiver? And I would assume that as the attorney that he would know whether or not he should be protected a communication. That's a pretty not big assumption, right? Not all communications are protected, number one. Number two, let's not forget how we started on this journey with the state getting up and making very serious allegations against the search, uh, asking for sanctions, saying all of her representations were inaccurate. And now they are doing whatever they can to block access to that information which shows exactly what she said was exactly the truth. What they're trying to do is they're trying to say to the court, the 100% accuracy of Mr. Wade's declaration and of his testimony, and by the way, please, please judge, don't let Mr. Bradley tell you what he knows, because what he knows is that this relationship, based upon what we see from the, from the text, and what we've seen in the context, we show that the relationship started before November uh, 2021. So I think there, uh, we, you know, we have a waiver issue, and parenthetically on the issue of uh, crime fraud, Your Honor, the issue about crime fraud is whether or not, in any context, the communication would be not in furtherance of a crime at that time, but it could be for any, any particular uh, crime committed by the client in the future as well doesn't have to be something that's, that's being committed at the time. I will also note that uh, the when you look at the attorney-client privilege, the law basically says, look, this is a privilege which blocks blocks evidence from coming in. And so in order to have that, they have the crime fraud exception, which is a very low standard once a prima facie showing has been made, which I believe has been done by this merchant. All right, uh, let me clarify one thing, uh, Mr. Bradley. When you testify to personal knowledge, does that include anything you may have seen, heard, um, outside of communications with a client? When you say you lack personal knowledge, does that include anything you may have seen or heard outside of communications with a client? And you can tell me if that question is horribly phrased. You try to rephrase it for me, James. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. When you say you lack any personal knowledge, yes, sir. Does that also mean that and include anything you may have seen or heard outside of communications? Outside of communications with my client. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Okay. And the communications that were made, if any, that relate to the subject that you were asked to, were there any other third parties present that may have resulted in a waiver of privilege? Including texts. <coughs> Am I answering your question or her question? Okay. Um, Are there any other third parties ever present with you and a client that would have resulted in a waiver of these privileges? No, Judge. Um, I can't recall anybody being present. Um, I mean, we ran an office, we had people around our office, but no, I, I can't say that there were other people present. All right. And um, did you ever receive any kind of a waiver from your client at any point? I have not received a waiver. <laughs> and anything that you learned regarding the subject matter at all, if anything, um, was it in the course of 
legal advice, of receiving or giving legal advice. That's a broad question, Judge, to answer, because the advice was given, and then then you have interaction. I mean, it, it wasn't, hey, this is for, to say specifically, this is this was for that, or, you know, I can't sit here and say that. Um, so I, I don't know how to answer that question, Judge. Yeah. All right. Um, so I was given a, a case that may reflect the same proposition I was arguing from Judge. Um, it's old case. It's Atlanta Coca Cola Bottling Company versus Goss, G O S S, uh, 50 Georgia Appeal 637, appears to be a 1935 decision. I've not had the benefit of jeopardizing it. Violations of law or commission of fraud, the protection only that is only the communication after the act or transaction is finished. It does not cover communications respecting proposed infractions of the law and the commission of the crime or perpetration of the fraud. And then it cites some cases. And then it goes, the privileged communication may be a shield, may be a shield of defense as to crimes already committed, but it cannot be used as a sword or weapon of offense to enable persons to carry out contemplated crimes against societies, frauds, or perjuries. So our position, as I indicated before, is the witness, Mr. Wade, has committed perjury on a witness stand. He called into question the statement. All right, understood, Mr. State. Mr. McDougall. Uh, Your Honor, this is uh, adjacent Georgia law perhaps not controlling, and I'll explain that in just a second. That's Rule of Professional Conduct 3.3A2. A lawyer shall not knowingly fail to disclose a material fact to a tribunal when disclosure is necessary to avoid assisting a criminal or fraudulent act by the client. A4, and the reason that I would qualify that since we're talking about candidate court, I need to do that. I believe this rule is regarding the conduct of advocates representing clients in court. It might not govern or control the situation where the lawyer has been put on the stand, but it's adjacent to the point Mr. Sayout made earlier. All right, fair point. Okay, um, Mr. Tripp, anything you want to address on that? Briefly, Judge, and clearly there's a lot of smarts in this room but this whole thing is a deductive fallacy. Um, it is suggested that the truth of the conclusion of the argument necessarily follows from the truth of the premises given, when in fact the conclusion does not necessarily follow the premises. They you know, called him a perjurist. He's, he, he is 
officially succeeded in saying the thing itself is true, therefore we must ask these other questions. And judge, it's, it's a fallacy. It does not exist as such, and the privilege should still apply. All right. Uh, thank you all. So uh, I think here is what we need to do, as I understand uh, the law. Um, as, as I find it, the, the crime fraud exception only applies when by preponderance we found that communications made in the existence of a relationship were in furtherance of a crime or the client at the time knew or reasonably should have known uh, that a crime, uh, the attorney was being used to further a crime. I don't think that's been established here. Maybe something happened afterwards and that's something that can be argued during, during uh, closings essentially. So I don't think the crime fraud exception uh, covers this. The objection is preserved for the record. Uh, Mr. Bradley has indicated also that anything he learned about this subject occurred during those communications. There's some uncertainty on that point, and so in order to preserve the record, um, at the conclusion of the, the hearing, uh, I think I can go in camera with Mr. Chopra and Mr. Bradley, and we can uh, put in a sealed filing uh, exactly what the extent of those communications were, um, if any were relevant. Or excuse me, not relevant, but just what they were, and those would remain sealed and, uh, until some time, if we're ever directed uh, otherwise. However, at this point, the question, uh, getting back to the question asked by Ms. Merchant, um, as asked, uh, would be sustained on the issue of, of privilege, the premise. He may um, have told you something, but it does not appear that there's any evidence that the client ever waived and allowed that information to be conveyed to you. Next question. Thank you, Judge. Um, all right, let's see. So um, we talked about um, Ms. Willis and Mr. Wade coming to and from <coughs> your office and security details um, following them. Do you recall that? Do I need to look at my phone? No, I'm uh, just asking if you recall. Oh, do I recall? I, I think I did, yes. Do you recall security taking Ms. Willis to your office? I'm going to object to that. Um, Does he recall Ms. Willis that taking security? You can answer the question, sir. Um, I do recall um, security detail bringing Ms. Willis to my office. Okay. Do you recall approximately when that was? I do not. And um, was that on more than one occasion? <sighs> I remember two occasions. Okay. Yes. Can you tell me about those? I can't remember when they were. Um, were they before she became DA? So I don't know if she had security detail before she became DA. So, I mean, if she if she was sworn in or I, I don't remember the dates, um, but I do remember... Um, I think she was DA. Um, Maybe during her transition team period, was that? No, it wasn't. Um, trying to remember. She would have had to have been the DA, I, I, I think. Um, and I, I don't want to go on, I think, um, but I do remember twice um, her coming to our office, correct? 
and she had a security team both of those times. There was a, yes, she has a security team with her. Okay. Um, and do you believe that it's a different security team than she has now? I don't know her security team now. Well, um, yeah. However, I'm sorry. I, I don't know her security team now. Um, <clears throat> I don't know her security team now. You remember telling me that it changed at some point, her security team. Yes, I, I think I recall saying that, yes. And that the most likely people that, that could testify or had seen things about them having a romantic relationship early on would be the original security team. I don't recall saying that, no, but... Do you recall talking to me about other people that might have known about their romantic relationship? I recall... Yeah, I, objection based on we don't know the source. This is either based on privileged information or it's hearsay. Neither it's, it's neither. I asked if you recall. You, you need to clarify it. If you're actually going to think, if you think that this draws on information from outside the relationship that we've already, he's already testified to, then you need to lay that foundation. Um, sustained. Are you aware of other people that you believe would have known about when their relationship began? I object to the relevance of that. Again, the witness has testified he has no firsthand information of it. Anything he knows about the topic came from representation. Who he thinks might have been able to say something else is speculation, not relevant to anything, and a backdoor to get in the gossip and innuendo that has been pretty much this entire... All right. Okay, Ms. Merchant, I think we're getting to the point where... You know, the, the reason I, I thought this line of, of questioning was appropriate was to rebut certain inferences about why we were here in the first place. Right. But to go into it at the granular level, I'm, I'm not as wild about. So if maybe you can ask more overarching <coughs> questions. And if you have anything else you think that's relevant, then you can get to those as well. Um, isn't that true that I gave you a copy of the motion to disqualify in this case? I emailed it to you, and you read it, reviewed it, and emailed me back that everything in it was accurate, to your knowledge. You emailed me, and I, you, okay, all right, so there are things contained within that, Ms. Merchant, which he has now said uh, fell within the privilege, and that he did not have the ability to waive, okay. so I think that's where we have to leave it there. And I believe I still have to ask the questions, and then if he wants to assert the privilege, I think Well, I, I think he's pretty much already established the privilege, and the objection has been made, and I think it's a, a valid one at this point based on the record. So the answer was, he did acknowledge that you sent him the motion, and I think we leave it at that. Um, let's see. Um, and you had, you had knowledge about an apartment, and I'm not asking what Mr. Wade told you in furtherance of legal advice, but you had knowledge about an apartment in East Point or a condo in East Point that um, was owned by someone and Ms. Willis was staying there. I think in the way the question's phrased, she, she qualified that, so. Yeah. I did not have knowledge. You did not have knowledge. I did not have personal knowledge at all, no. So no knowledge outside of what is privileged. That's correct. 
Um, are you, did you have texts between um, yourself, Ms. Willis, and Mr. Wade? Do I? Have you ever? I, I have. Maybe once or twice, but. <laughs> did Mr. Wade ever ask to use your credit card to pay for trips? Objection. Just asking him to use a credit card, how's that in the nature of furthering a divorce proceeding? I had a business card and we would use my business card. The firm would use my business card. For travel? Are you asking if I use my business card for travel? Would Mr. Wade use your business card for travel? I recall um, I, I recall a trip um, but I don't know if that trip has anything to do with this case. So I do recall him using my card once. When was that? And I, I don't even know when that was, and that's not as true. Um, I recall him using my card once. but I cannot remember what that was for. I do remember it was a trip, but I cannot uh, actually state, you know, where it was and who it was with or anything like that. And he paid you back for that trip in cash? I can't remember how he paid. I, I think it, I think it was, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not certain if it was cash or check. Um, we re routinely would use uh, my card um, for filings for um, paper for whatever stuff with the office and so oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. and so he would whether he paid me back in cash or whether he wrote a check uh, you know it was paid back to the business card and but this was the only time he had used it for travel cannot recall. I don't even have that business card anymore. Um, but I do recall at least once for travel. Yes. And um, that was when you were still law partners with him, though, correct? That is correct. Do you recall approximately when that was? I do not. Um, you did not go on that travel with him, though, correct? I did not. Okay. And so he asked you to use your card for the travel. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, I mean, he, we would use the card for firm stuff. And so it was a business card. Your business card, don't It was know. my business card, yes. Right. The law office of Terrence A. Bradley, correct. Okay, so it showed up on your accounts. That is correct. Okay, 
wouldn't show up on his accounts, though, correct? That, that would be accurate, yes. Um, do you know if this was before he became special DA in this case, special prosecutor? I cannot recall. Um, did you see he and Ms. Willis together? You said you were in and out of the office, in and out of the um, DA's office. You saw them together, correct? In and out of my office or the DA's office? The DA's office. Correct. You saw them together in and out of the DA's office. Did I see them in and out? Yes. Um, well, if you preface it like that, no. I saw him in and out of the office when I would be there doing my filter work for the taint team. Okay. He would come by. I rarely saw Miss Willis and Mr. Wade together in the DA's office. So brought up the taint team. Let's talk about that for a minute. Tell me about um, you did work as you had a contract as a taint lawyer, correct? That is correct. Okay. And that was in the anti-corruption unit? Um, I, yes, I think so. Yes, correct. So how did you get that contract? What do you mean, how did I get it? How did you get the contract? Um, it was... Did you apply online? Oh, no. Um, it was proposed... Um, By who? We were... Um, It was proposed by, I guess it came from the district attorney. I mean, I, I didn't um, I didn't speak directly with her. Okay. It was um, with Mr. Wade, and he asked if we would be interested um, in having a contract with the Fulton County. Okay. Um, he asked Mr. Campbell? Uh, I think so. I mean, it, I, I can't recall if he asked us both together or not. Uh, rarely, um, we all handled several, I mean, uh, different things for the firm, okay. criminal, personal injury, uh, things like that, uh, family law. And so rarely were we together um, there at the same time, like for an abundance of time. So he may have called me and then he may have called Chris. I can't remember, I can't recall um, how we got the contract, but. Did, um, was Mr. Wade, to your knowledge, part of the transition team for Ms. Willis? To my knowledge, he was part of the transition team. Did he spend a lot of time at that office during this transition period? He did. So from when Ms. Willis took office to when you left the firm, did Mr. Wade spend most of his time at the DA's office? When you say most of his time, are you saying just working business hours yeah, or? Working business hours. I would say he spent, um, I would probably say he spent majority of time. If you say over 51%, I would say yes, he spent over 51% of his time. And that was the entire time from when she took office to when you left the firm? I can't say that that was the entire time, but yes, it was majority of, um, it was a, I mean, I can't pinpoint specifically when the time that he would spend. Um, I think um, if my memory serves correctly, getting to the majority of the time, it would have been um, whenever 
he started with this, maybe. With that was special, as a special prosecutor. When you say majority of the time. Right. Okay, so let's talk about the time before he became special prosecutor. Did he spend a lot of time at the DA's office then? He spent time. I mean, it depends on what you say is a lot. Um, he spent time at the DA's office, correct. And so just so we're clear, you were hired first um, on January 25th. Both you and Mr. Campbell were law partners, and you were both hired by the DA uh, January 25th, 2021. Is that correct? Repeat the question. I'm sorry. You and Mr. Campbell yes. both um, were hired mm -hmm. on a contract basis by DA Willis mm -hmm. January 25th, 2021, correct? Which contract are you talking about? The first one, the tank contract. Not the first appearance contract, the tank okay. contract. Well, you said the first one, and the tank contract wasn't the first contract, and so... Okay, so the so what was the first contract? To my knowledge, the first contract was the first appearance. Okay, so um, let me just mark these and see what number are we on. 23, 24, 25, of his contract. <coughs> Judge, when they're done reviewing these contracts. Okay, I see. So on, um, now that you've reviewed those, is it true that on January 25th, 2021, you got your first contract as a taint lawyer? As a taint lawyer, yes. I see the date on, on that as a taint lawyer, but I'm also looking at this contract here um, for first appearance. And there, you know, there must have been... I don't have it before me, but there must have been a contract before this. Okay, so you think there's a fourth contract? 
I, I can't say that there is or isn't. What I do know is that we did first appearance during COVID and it was before 2021. So I don't know, um, you know, if I had a contract, a written contract at that particular time or anything, but I do know, I think that the, I mean, it's, you can look at the recordings because everything was recorded at that time um, as to when the, fir the first appearance contract started and the tank contract started. So when the three of you were partners, you had at least two contracts to do tank work, which is um, filter work, um, and then a con two, at least two contracts to do first appearance work, pretty much throughout that entire two years, right? Well, it renewed. So, I mean, um, it just renewed. So, to, uh, yes, I mean, if it, it was the same contract, but it was a renewal of the contract. So, so how did you, and you said you got, you got these contracts through, Ms. Willis gave them to you, but it was through her knowing Mr. Wade, correct? <clears throat> yes. Um, I didn't have a, a meeting with Ms. Willis or anything. Um, it was, it was brought to the attention that um, a contract was going to be needed or awarded. Um, and if we, or if I was interested, because this was uh, off of mine, and I said yes. And so. And so Mr. Wade brought that to your attention? He asked if I was interested in doing the contract correct. And then after that is when Ms. Willis, you know, would come in or. I think we actually came down here or something um, and signed the contract. Okay. Um, and so that is how you were paid um, from Fulton County, these contracts? From, from Fulton County government? Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. And you shared um, your partnership, you shared a third of all your profits with Mr. Wade? At that time, yes. And so his contracts, he got a contract that same year, 2021, and he shared a third of all his profits with you, correct? Yes, that should be fairly accurate. Okay, so during 2021, 2022, you all had two filter taint contracts. You had two first appearance contracts and you had Mr. Wade's special counsel contracts, correct? My firm had what I have here, okay. correct? But Mr. Campbell and Mr. Wade were part of your firm, correct? So we didn't, I don't think at this time we had established WBC. Okay. Um, at this time, I think it was, I had mine, Chris had his, Nathan had his, and we operated in the same building. But if you ask me, did we fee share or, you know, without everything that came in, Yes, that is correct. So you weren't actually partners, you just fee shared? At this time, mm -hmm. well, yes, at this time, we were not. If okay. we were at this time, I had law office of Terrence Bradley, um, Chris Campbell, PC, and whatever uh, Nathan's was, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just. 
and all these con the taint contracts and the Nathan special counsel contracts, all of those were under the anti-corruption unit, correct? First appearance was not under that. Uh, the tank contract, I, if I recall, was under the. Um, I, I don't. I don't think they called it. What, what are you calling it? You can take a look at your contract if you need. Okay. And I'm. I'm not asking about the first appearance. I'm asking about the tank contracts mm -hmm. and then Mr. Wade's contract, which has already been admitted in evidence. If you need to look at that. Well, I see on the first page where it says taint attorney, and I'm, I'm trying to go through and I see where it continues says taint attorney, but it always says Fulton County District Attorney's Office. Your question was specific as to the anti-corruption unit, and I'm looking for the verbiage of anti-corruption unit, so I apologize. Oh, no, take your time. see on both pages I mean it starts out Fulton County District Attorney's Office and then it just goes to initials FCDA um, unless I'm overlooking where it says the anti-corruption unit then the contract was with the FCDA I mean unless you want to show me something uh, I'm just asking you and I didn't know if that would refresh your memory those Contracts were for the anti-corruption right? Well, they were for the district. Yeah, work for? I worked for the DA. Okay. I worked for the DA. Okay, so just in general, the DA. Correct. I worked for Fulton County District Attorney's Office in a con uh, as a uh, contract person, as it says here. Okay. And um, the when you did the taint work, you had to report to Sonia Allen. I did not. You did not. Who did you report to then? I can't remember his name. His, his first name was Brian. Okay. And um, let's see. So I know you said you met with Miss Willis when you signed those contracts, right? Yes. I know I met at least one time to sign these contracts or to sign when I signed the contracts. Yes. Did you meet with her any other times? I did not personally meet with Ms. Willis any other time. Um, when you say meet with, what do you what do you mean meet with? Talk with her. Meet with her. I mean, I would see Ms. Willis um, in passing if I'm walking through the through the office and something like that. Um, but no, I I didn't have any meetings with Ms. Willis. Okay, so the only times you met with her were when you signed those contracts. Clarify meet with. I mean, not sat down and had a conversation with her. 
I signed these contracts. So when I signed these, I met with her to say that I sat down and spoke with Ms. Willis. Um, are you saying in life and you saying during this time, what are you asking me? I mean, if it's voluminous, I can narrow down the times, but I didn't, I wasn't in the merchant. I haven't really heard a point in a while. Can we get along to something yes. or we're going to yes. have to wrap it up? Um, so I had one more question about your text. Um, have you ever been in an, any group text with anybody other than with me and somebody other than Mr. Chopra and Mr. Merchant? You're going uh, to narrow that down. I'm sure you sent many I texts. I can look at my phone. So with him, if there have been any other, any other texts. And I think the state had some him, thing him in rebuttal being, they mentioned. So I was just trying to clean that up before it got there. You try, try the question one more time. For yeah. Me. Isn't it true that you've the only texts that you and I have ever had have been between me and you, me, you, and Mr. Chopra, or me, you, and John Merchant, correct? Can I look at my phone? Sure. And what's the relevance of that, Ms. Merchant? They've said mul multiple times that there's this third party that we've talked to, and I'm trying to establish there's no third party. And I don't know why it was relevant, but the states argued it, so. Well, if, uh, if Ms. Merchant doesn't know why it's relevant, then, then maybe it might okay. become relevant later, but right uh, now. Ms. Merchant, I, I think I've, you've been able to show okay. what, what maybe launched this and, 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 and answer the, the state's initial claims, and so let's get back to the core of what we were here for for this hearing. Do you have anything else relevant to ask this witness? After you, yes, just a few more questions. After you, um, after it became known that you were placed under subpoena, did you get a call from Gabe Banks? I did. And was he um, trying to determine if you were going to be giving information in this case? I can't, I, I don't know what he was trying to determine. Um, he stated that uh, it wasn't uh, odd. Um, I had not um, spoken to Gabe in a while. Um, we are fr um, colleagues. We are friends. We are um, in the same fraternity, Gabe and I. And when he called, it was out of the blue, but he did call. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And you relayed that to me as well, correct? I did. And then um, you also got a call from your best friend um, who was relaying a message to you from Mr. Wade, correct? No, uh, I got a call saying that he got a call, not that a, a message that was supposed to be relayed to me. Um, the call was. Um, I'm going to check if there's a hearsay, um, if, if the response of public hearsay thus far, it hasn't. But I'm, sure. So, hearsay objection as to the contents of the call, Ms. Merchant. Um, I believe the contents of the call were to remember your privilege. I took that as a threat. I think Mr. Bradley took it as a threat, and I think he would testify to that. And he hasn't testified to it, and he also said there wasn't any message relayed by Mr. Wade or any other party. Well, no, he didn't say it was by any right. party. So, assuming he did hear something from a party, what's the uh, hearsay exception for that, Ms. Merchant? Um, I believe that it was a threat, so it's a statement against interest. Oh, I'm sorry, it's a, um, um, if, if he took it as a threat to influence his testimony, then it's not hearsay, then it would be admissible. All right, so. I did not take it as a threat. Uh, if you're saying it's a, to the effect on the 
listener, perhaps. Yes. Uh, then we'll go from there. Um, were you told to remember your privilege? Your Honor, uh, the witness just testified he didn't take it as a threat. Understood. Uh, it, I'll overrule the objection and the testimony given the way it deserves. <laughs> Can you read the question? Were you told to remember your privilege? I was not. The witness, there, there may be a potential witness now in the courtroom. Is the person that Ms. Merchant is referring to is sitting in the courtroom? Well, if she was. If that witness hasn't been told to testify, then I don't see any sequestration issues. I don't know who it is. I don't know his name. Right. Okay. And so, were you told anything to that effect, Mr. Bradley? Repeat the question one more time. But so I was not told. Remember my privilege. Something about privilege. Remembering that. I I do recall. Um, privilege being um, mentioned, but it wasn't remember your privilege or, you know, a, a threat of, of any sort. But you immediately called me after? No, I called someone else after. You called me quickly thereafter then? I talked to you that day, yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Sado. Because this is a defense witness, is it the state's cross, first cross? I think that's we, how, we, how we have been doing it yesterday. No, actually, we're doing it just this way. Yeah, I've, I've been. Okay. This, this is the first time he's gone, and then we go through all the defense, and then you'll have your chance. Some foundation questions to begin with, please. Your testimony as you began representing Mr. Wade as his attorney on what date or what approximate date? I didn't have a, an approximate date. Okay. And give me an approximate date when you began acting as Mr. Wade's attorney. Um, I would say it was, you know, if I'm, I'm speculating, I really don't want you to speculate. I mean, you're the one that was the attorney, and Mr. Wade was the client. Correct. So give us the ballpark figure of when it was that you began acting as his attorney. Maybe 2017, 2018, I think, maybe. And the purpose for which you were retained? His divorce. So, according to you, from that time period, your communications with Mr. Wade with regard to the divorce or any matters related to the divorce, it's your position or confidential, I'm sorry, our privilege, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Now, did you ever meet with Ms. Willis and Mr. Wade prior to, and everything I'm asking you is prior to November of 20. 21, okay? Okay. Keep that in mind. That's. Why are you yelling? I don't think he's yelling, Mr. Bradley. He's just speaking up. All right, Mr. Sedow, let's go. Okay, thank you. Prior to Mr. Wade getting his um, contract with Fulton County, which was November 1st of 2021, okay? Just keep, please keep that in mind. November 1st of 2021. Right. Did you ever socialize with Mr. Wade and Ms. Willis prior to November 1st of 2021? 
I've never socialized with Mr. Wade or Miss Willis in any setting. If you're asking, have I ever met with them? Then I would say yes, but when you say socialize, what do you mean socialize? Have you ever gone out to eat with both of them? Before 2021, I do not before think... November 1st of 2021. Out to eat with both of them before... When was she sworn in? I'm, I'm sorry. When was she sworn in? There was a dinner. There was a dinner before, she, I mean, when she was sworn in that I attended. Um, Shaquille O'Neal was there. So it was it was like her inauguration dinner. So I'm thinking that's before 2021. So I would say yes. Let's assume for purposes of my question. That yes, sir. In early January of 2021. Oh, that is early January 2021. Uh, then, uh, so yes, I mean, it would be before November. So if it was January, yes, that dinner would have been in, I'm assuming January. Okay. And any other time that you socialized, went out to eat, went to anyone's home, you know what socialized is. Exactly. So no, I, I did not socialize with Mr. Willis. I mean, uh, with Miss Willis and Mr. Wade. So prior to November 1st of 2021, did Ms. Willis come to your offices? Your offices, I mean the offices that you shared with Mr. Wade. I think she came once or twice to our office, correct. And the purpose for which she came? I don't know, we had separate offices. Um, I do recall, um, Well, let's, let's I, I do recall some type of meeting happening at our office, and I, I don't know what that was about. I wasn't a part of those meetings. Um, there was a meeting. There were other people there. Um, there were other people from the, I want to say DA's office there, maybe. Um, Let's go back to the basics. Ms. Willis came to your offices, together offices, on a couple different occasions. Correct? I recall Ms. Willis coming to my office at least twice. And on at least one of those occasions, or you tell us, did Ms. Willis meet privately with Mr. Wade in his office that you observed or heard? I can't recall. You can't recall? No. Did she ever meet with you in your office? Ms. Willis now. Privately in my office? No. I've never met privately in any office with her outside of signing this contract. Did Mr. Wade, prior to November 1st of 2021, ever talk to you about socializing with Ms. Willis? I can't recall. You can't recall? You're asking me if he if he ever mentioned to me that he socialized with Miss Willis, correct? And I'm saying I cannot recall if he socialized with Miss Will if he ever mentioned to me that he socialized. Uh, did he ever mention to you that he ate or went out to dinner with Miss Willis? Again, time period before November first of twenty twenty one. 
did he repeat your question? Mr. Wade ever tell you prior to November 1st of 2021 that he had socialized, gone out to eat, visited Miss uh, Willis in anything other than a professional setting? I'm sure he did, maybe. Um, I don't recall any specifics of any dinners, any um, specific places. You're, I mean, it's been three years ago, um, the time frame, but I do not recall at this time whether or not he ever mentioned uh, any dinners or socializing. Did Mr. Wade mention to you that he visited Miss Willis at Miss Willis's then current abode, which would have been um, a, a place, not her original house, but a place she was staying in the period of uh, 2021 before November 1 of 2021. And his question is, did Mr. Wade ever tell you that he visited Miss Willis at her house? I don't think I can answer that. Mr. State, if you want to try and rephrase the question, you can, but otherwise that would be sustained. On both grounds or just on the privilege ground? We just, both. Uh, I didn't hear a second ground. Well, the hearsay ground. Oh, that would, that would be on privilege alone. Did you talk to Mr. Wade at all about his relationship with Ms. Willis? prior to November 1st of 2021. I think he's just laying a record, Mr. Wade. It's okay. Uh, and so on those same grounds, uh, Mr. State Allen, all subsequent grounds, apparently the relationship with Ms. Willis in any way is, a, uh, is covered by a privilege according to this witness. Well, I think the key words, respectfully, Your Honor, are according to this witness. So I'm trying to drill down to see if there are communications that are not within the privilege. Sure. I, I can. So then we need to acknowledge the privilege in the form of your question. Right. You, you're asking me to ask it as in a way of saying, are, are there any non-privileged? Essentially. Okay. <clears throat> Did you ever communicate with Mr. Wade prior to November 1st of 2021 about Ms. Willis that was not privileged? I mean, we discussed this contract, um, but this contract doesn't help. You have to give me a, a, a um, pivot number, please. You said before November 2021? Yeah, November 1st of 2021. Before November, this this contract for 125.21 is before that. So, I mean, we discussed this contract. Okay. Um, and if I remember this, correctly, that, one again, just give me that exhibit number so we can reference uh, it. Exhibit 23. Okay, to hold on one second. One second. On Exhibit 23, did I understand you to say that it was Mr. Wade that effect brought you and Ms. Willis together for the contract? That would be accurate, yes. Okay. And, and what did you understand was the relationship at that point between Ms. Willis and Mr. Wade for Mr. Wade to be able to bring you to Ms. Willis for the contract? Not a hard question. It's no, I'm, I'm just uh, state that again. Mr. Wade is the one that basically says mm -hmm. to you, "Go see Miss Willis about this contract, right?" Mm -hmm. 
That's a yes, correct? Yes. So Mr. Wade had to have some knowledge, you would assume. Yes. Right? That you going to Ms. Willis might bring you the contract. I never went to Ms. Willis. So I stated I never went to Ms. Willis. I was told about the, that there was a potential contract and that I was asked by Mr. Wade if I would be interested in doing that contract. I never. Okay. My question to you is what was the basis that you understood Mr. Wade being able to potentially offer you that contract on Ms. Willis's behalf? I'm going to object to that. That's a mischaracterization. Mr. Wade offered it to him. I think he said he expressed interest. And also, I don't see the relevance of this at all. So just in terms of relevance or phrasing, I'll overrule on those grounds. So the question that's standing unobjected to, Mr. Bradley. Can you repeat the question? You've explained to us how the contract came to you, correct? My question is what was your understanding of the relationship of Mr. Wade and Ms. Willis for it to have been offered or whatever word you want to use for him to have said, expressed to you whether you had an interest in the contract? Privilege. All right. Mr. Evans is invoked privilege on that question. So, Mr. Sadow, I think you need to clarify whether. Was it a privilege conversation that you had with Mr. Wade that let you know about the contract? Or, you know, it was the relationship was the question you're focused on. Is the nature. I'm trying to do it in such a way, and I understand what the court said. Was the relationship that I asked you about just now between Mr. Wade and Ms. Willis that gave rise to the contract? Did you know about that relationship as a result of an attorney-client communication? No. I knew of that through whatever work they did together as municipal court judges. And how did you know that? Who told you about the work that they did together as municipal court judges? Mr. Wade told me that they did work at some conference. This would have been something that Mr. Wade said, according to your time period, at the time that you were representing Mr. Wade, correct? Say that again? Ask that again? Mr. Wade would have told you what you just told the court after you had established an attorney-client relationship with Mr. Wade, correct? Yes, but when he told me of them being at a conference, I mean, I'm not understanding how I relate. I'm trying to understand your question. My question is basically you had communications with Mr. Wade directly that were not attorney-client privilege, right? I've had conversations with Mr. Wade that were not attorney-client privilege, yes. That involved Ms. Willis, correct? I just stated that they were at a conference. I don't know whether or not that involved her or not. Well, he's talking about her. That is, if Mr. Wade is telling you about Ms. Willis and Mr. Wade having met at a conference, right, then he's talking about Ms. Willis, correct? 
Yes, but he also told me about other people that he met at the conference. But he told you about Miss Willis as well, correct? Um, I, I think so, yes. Okay. So there were communications in which Miss Willis was at least a topic that was not covered by attorney-client privilege, correct? This particular instance, I was told about a conference. And, and you, when you, were you told this? I can't remember uh, the dates um, of the conference, but it was after, it would have been after the conference. Okay, well, I'm trying to get just the time period here. After the conference, I want you to understand from the record, I believe we've shown that the conference was sometime in October of 2019. Okay. okay. So could you give us an idea, that being uh, a fact, when you would have had this communication about meeting with Ms. Willis at the conference, that is Mr. Wade meeting Ms. Willis at the conference? Um, if the if that's the conference that they were at, yes, then you know I don't know how many um, municipal court conferences there are. Um, I do know that at the time that I was in the firm, Mr. Wade was um, he had some position with the municipal court. Yeah. Um, right now, my only question is time wise. Assuming it's October of 2019, mm -hmm. when do you tend to remember? What's your best recollection? of when Mr. Wade told you about... I, I can't remember because I didn't even remember that it was October 2019 until you said that. Okay. So you don't have a present recollection? I, I do not remember that, no. Had to be before the contract, though, in January of 2021, correct? That they met? No, no, that you were told about Mr. Wade and Ms. Willis meeting at the conference had to be before... Oh, yeah, uh, yes, right? it, would be, it would have been before that, yes. So what other communications did you have with Mr. Wade about Ms. Willis that are not privileged? We know of one about the meeting at the conference. Are you suggesting that that's the only one you ever had about Ms. Willis that isn't? I cannot recall any. I cannot recall. You cannot recall whether there were any other communications that weren't privileged? No. I'll be specific, and, and I understand there's probably going to be objections, but I want the record to reflect. Did you have a conversation with Mr. Wade prior to November 1st of 2021 about Mr. Wade dating Ms. Willis? Uh, uh, Mr. Wade has risen. Uh, an objection is sustained for the record. Excuse me, Mr. Evans. <coughs> say that again. Uh, you don't have to answer the question, Mr. Oh. Bradley. Next question, Mr. Sedan. <coughs> well, I understand it's been objected to in the court. Has uh, sustain the objection. Can you tell us um, the circumstances in which, that is, under which Mr. Wade may have told you about dating? What I want to do is try to figure out if we can, you tell me if you want me, if I can do this. I'd like to know how the communications themselves took place, where they took place, how they took place, under what circumstance, whether he was at the time providing advice or seeking advice. Mm -hmm. So, those are the basics. If I can ask as to all those, but sure. if the court's going to sustain the objection to those, then I don't want to waste your time. And that's something I'll cover in camera. So I'll, I'll note uh, the question and the um, your uh, your question for the record, and I'll, I'll sustain the privilege objection to that. Okay. Okay. All of this prior to November first, twenty twenty one. Okay. Uh, I'm going to show you two text messages. 
going to set up a question. I realize that. I want to be able to show it to him, and then I'm going to frame. We're going to frame the appropriate question, and then you're going to object. We'll see where we are. Oh, uh, you may, sir. Then you must be a seasayer. Uh, Mr. Bradley, I showed you two text messages, correct? correct? Both of those text messages occurred on January the 5th of 2024 at approximately 11.56 a.m. Am I correct? Um, I think so. Yes. Okay. And the text messages would have been between you and Ms. Merchant, correct? I uh, didn't see it. Yes, it should be. Okay. And I've shown the same two to uh, prosecution, so we're talking about the same two. In the text message to Ms. Merchant, you indicated knowledge of some activity on the part of Mr. Wade, correct? I haven't asked him anything about what the... Flag for the court. This is a topic and a specific exchange that Ms. Merchant went into and there were objections that were sustained. All right, understood. Yes. And it's your testimony that the information that you imparted to Miss Merchant in these two text messages is based entirely on confidential communications between you and Mr. Wade, correct? Objection. He's referencing specific knowledge. The specific knowledge comes from Mr. Wade, which is regarding one other question, he didn't get into anything. He just said, are these two text messages about privileged communications? We haven't actually, he's testing, I don't see an issue there. Yes. And is it your testimony that the knowledge that you have, which you imparted in these two text messages, came from Mr. Wade and Mr. Wade alone? Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Can you tell us when it was that Mr. Wade imparted this information to you? Objection. And, uh, and I think that that's one of what that's what you're going to do. In, sure. So I'll sustain that on privilege. And I'm going to introduce for the record when we finish these two text messages, so that your honor has those back there, so that you can. Sure. What would they be marked as? Um, what do you have?
I'm gonna go ahead. Once I put a staple in it, I think it'll be 20 Defense Exhibit 26. All right, so this is marked and made part of the record as Defense Exhibit 26, but not necessarily for its this is not evidentiary value. This is for purposes of the court conducting the in-camera review. Right. And put a staple in it. Here's to make sure that you see it. All right, Ms. Seda, what else? All right, so there was also reference, if I remember correctly, to some email correspondence in which Ms. Merchant sent you the motion that she was going to file to disqualify um, Ms. Willis and Mr. Wade for your review. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And that was sent to you in an email? That was correct. And did you respond to it in an email? I don't think I responded to her in an email. Ashley, do we know? You responded by text. I'm sorry, I mischaracterized it. You responded in te by text? Um, if I can look at my text, I can. But it, I'm assuming I did, but. Okay, uh, I'm going to get it for you because okay. I don't want there right. to be any assumption. Let me show you. This is. going to show you if, if I might approach. I made reference to an email that Ms. Merchant would have sent you about the uh, motion she was going to file. If you look at this, does this appear to be the email that you received? It's dated January the 6th, 2024 at 1025 10, 10, a.m. Yeah, I, I see it at the email, yes. So that's the email that you received. <coughs> Along with, the, uh, obviously, the attachment, which is referenced. Yes. Okay. And then, did you respond to that email within the text message that I've just placed before you? Yes, I said it looks good. So the, the answer is yes. Oh, yes, I did. Okay. And we'll mark this as another exhibit for your honor to look at. Okay, I'm going to have these marked as, as 27. Okay? All right, so is it your position that what is reflected, let me hand it to you. What's the court's rule to ask or not to ask? Uh, we'll take it case by case. I think he's doing all right, so. 
No need to ask for this witness. Is it your uh, position that your response, which is the second page of Defense Exhibit 27, is based on a confidential or confidential communications that you had with Mr. Wade? Do you want me to read the response? No, no. I'm only asking you whether or not the response, you actually already said what it said. You, you, I don't want you to read it again. Is that response, excuse me, based on confidential communications that you had had with Mr. Wade? Objection. This is privileged and email. All right. So now we're talking about the email, essentially referencing the motion as a whole. He hasn't been asked to actually confirm or deny any specifics just to say whether his response is privileged. So I think we're just laying the foundation just like we did with the text message. So you can answer that question, sir. Was my response privileged? No. Was your response to the email of Ms. Merchant, which is on page one, mm -hmm. is your response, which is on page two, is that based on knowledge that you received from Mr. Wade pursuant to confidential communications? Yes. Have you discussed with the district attorney's office um, this case, uh, your purported testimony? Of my testimony? Yes. No. At all? No. No prep, no conversations, no nothing? No. Have you given your attorneys, for this matter, um, did you give them permission to speak with the district attorney's uh, office? Uh, well, he can assert his own privilege, but uh, that's kind of crazy. Uh, is there a objection to be heard? Absolutely. This is okay. Sustained. Sit down. Next question. Do you know whether or not your attorneys shared confident, excuse me, privileged information with the district attorney's office? No, I, I don't know what my attorneys shared or didn't share. I don't know if they even met. Have you, last question, have you spoken to Mr. Wade prior to today? No, actually, withdraw that. Uh, you're no longer in the same partnership or fee-sharing arrangement with Mr. Wade, correct? That's correct. Uh, when did you leave that fee-sharing partnership, pseudo-partnership arrangement? Um... I don't remember the hard date, but maybe sometime like July, August of 2022, I think. Okay. And what was the reason for the partnership or the fee-sharing arrangements? What, what caused the separation? I wanted to leave and go out on my own. And that's the only reason? I wanted to leave and go out on my own, yes. I understand. But that's, that was the only reason. There wasn't any suggestions or allegations of any form of misconduct on either part, either on your part or Mr. Wade's part, correct? Misconduct of what? I don't want to try not to get into the specifics. 
Was there any allegations made of suspected misconduct on your part or on Mr. Wade's part? That's a fairly simple question. Did he accuse you of doing anything? Did you accuse him of doing anything? Without getting into what it is, were there any accusations made by you or him against each other? We had a disagreement, yes. And had that disagreement have anything to do with Ms. Willis? Oh, no. Okay. Did it have anything to do with your conduct? No. Did it have what? anything to do with his conduct? Hold on, wait. So we had a disagreement whether the disagreement was we disagreed and so we dissolved for well i left the firm and was the disagreement having anything to do with alleged or supposed misconduct by either one of you i don't if you define misconduct i'm telling you we had a disagreement and we just tell me what the disagreement was then. the disagreement is mine to know i mean i don't see the relevance of the disagreement that i had it had nothing to do with this trump case or any other case i'm simply getting a, a question asked what was the disagreement it's not privileged correct no that is privileged oh it is privileged it why is. is that privileged because it's privileged i can tell the court in in camera but it was privileged ask a few questions further to see if this is actually something that does fall within that privilege we can were, take it from there were you did it have anything to do with you representing mr wade in any capacity excuse me it, it would fall in that line yes and but your your testimony is that it has nothing to do with your representation of mr wade in connection with miss willis as it a connection to miss willis that's correct it's connected to um the matter for which you were hired by Mr. Wade? I wasn't hired by Mr. Wade. I thought you were the attorney representing him in the divorce. Oh, I, I apologize. I thought you were saying something else. Oh, yes. So will it apply as to um, whether I was hired during the divorce? Yes, that's correct. I'm, I'm not sure what, what, what this correct means under that. You kind of got lost on it. We asked the it question. It did not relate to your representation it did relate to my representation in the marriage case it does um and this was a whose decision was it? at that point did you stop representing mr wade it wasn't at that point no was it before that no it was after that okay and how much longer did you represent mr wade in the divorce action i'll have to <clears throat> see the uh, divorce proceeding to see uh, mr wade um I represented Mr. Wade for a time after that. He represented me in a construction case um, for a time after that. He, um, and I will have to look at the, the filings. I ended up hiring a new counsel for my construction case. He ended up, but it wasn't right at that moment. It wasn't in a matter of weeks. It was, I don't know. You continued representing him in connection with the um, divorce case after you had the separation that you've made reference to. and he continued to yes and he continued to represent me on a construction case but the separation at least in part if I heard you correctly and please tell me if I'm wrong had something to do with your representation of him in the um, divorce case that is correct okay. now 
Mr. Wade has testified that he did not have a relationship, a personal relationship, a romantic relationship with Ms. Willis until sometime early 2022, okay? I'm leaving that as, as the premise for what I'm about to ask you. Do you possess information that counters that, that's inconsistent with that? Any information Mr. Bradley has would be privileged, Your Honor. Okay, Mr. Sena, I think we Would such information be privileged in your mind? Uh, I think this has already been asked. Uh, during Ms. Merchant's direct, so we're covering the same ground. <coughs> I'll sustain that. So, I can't get an answer to whether he possesses information which is inconsistent no, without we, getting into the in, information itself. I think the issue would be that we've already gotten an answer on that, and now we're asking the same question again. Ms. Merchant asked in variation of that, and he already answered. I, I think the variation Your Honor is referencing whether or not he had what would be personal information, independent source information. Mine is not so limited. Mine is, I'm asking him point blank whether or not he has information from whatever source, including Mr. Wade, that is inconsistent with Mr. Wade's testimony. Because if it includes Mr. Wade, it is privileged communication. So therefore, the answer is it's privileged. If it excluded Mr. Wade, that would be a different appropriate question. Okay. And, and I just want to say, the, the answer is either it came from privileged information or it's hearsay. That's it. He's already testified well, that he has no personal knowledge. Unless it's for impeachment at this point. But, um, Mr. Seda, I think that might be too fine a distinction for me to be the, the need for the question. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm failing to see the difference. Well, I'm, I'm not asking respectfully, I'm not asking you to see the difference. I'm asking whether I can ask that question and elicit a response which doesn't elicit the actual communications, which is what I'm attempting okay. to do. And, and if and Your Honor says I can't, then I'm finished. And, if, I, think, and I think that we, we this, this was another aspect of what came up before, which is, in, in my mind, even confirming the existence of the information goes into uh, privileged communications, whether he does or does not possess information if it came from that relationship that's part of the privilege as well so if, if I make that clear then, um, then so I'd you're sustaining what the objection would be that's right it'd be right. sustained on privilege and of question. course all the questions that we're talking for the about as far as the foundation about when things are said and what is said you're going to go into if I understood correctly ex parte in camera with the two exhibits we've talked about that's right my intent would be to uh, make a record of the knowledge of when it was attained and the extent of it and the different sources and that'll be sealed and and what and what was actually said that's right so i guess my question to the court before i sit down is if if hypothetically you learn through this in-camera ex parte um examination that the information that this gentleman has through the um attorney client privilege is in fact inconsistent with what Mr. Wade testified to under oath, then the court is going to then make a determination of whether it can be used here or whether it just remains in the record sealed. So my intent would be to make the distinction of from the in-camera hearing, if I still determine that everything is covered by privilege, then anything else that is said cannot go into the factual determinations or credible determinations that need to be made. 
And so just the, average, the issue of whether the privilege did or did not exist is preserved. Okay. So again, just to follow through to make sure. So if the court knows that there's been a fraud upon the court through the lie of Mr. Wade, none of us are gonna know that that in fact occurred and the court's gonna be in a position of making a determination on the motion, even though the court knows that it doesn't have all the information, truthful information. I'll take a look, a closer look at the case law he provided to see if that is actually a variation of the crime fraud exception. Um, and I'll apply the crime fraud exception as I, as I see it. Right. And, and again, it's, I'm not suggesting it is a, a variation. It is totally separate from crime fraud. It has nothing to do okay. with using the legal advice of the attorney in order to commit a, a crime. It's you go ahead and commit fraud or lie to the court when you full fully know that someone, your attorney, has information which is counter or inconsistent with what you've testified to. And to that end, Mr. Sadout, that is something that you can, I mean, I've got this case from Ohio, uh, but if you can find something more on point in Georgia before we schedule Other this Other than the one I gave you. The Coca-Cola one? The 1935 case. The Atlanta Bottling Company. I don't think I don't think it went that far. I think it just kind of said the sword and shield language, and it didn't go so far as to say that there's this alternative theory about fraud upon the court. But we can flush that out in our research. I appreciate it. Thank okay. you. Okay, Mr. Stockton. No questions, Jim. Mr. Durham. No question, John. Mr. McDougal. No question, Gerard. Mr. Rice. Mr. Bradley, you were counsel for Mr. Wade in the divorce case when the interrogatories were initially served on opposing counsel on, on or about December 27th of 2021, correct? That's correct. And you were also counsel on him for him when the amended interrogatories were served on May 30th of 2023, correct? That's incorrect. So you ceased representing him sometime before before May 30th of 2023. That's correct. At any point during the divorce proceedings, was a pleading filed with the court or a paper served on opposing counsel that purported to have your signature that you were not the one that signed or authorized your signature on? Say that again? Did anyone sign your signature without your authorization on any pleading or any other paperwork served on opposing counsel in the divorce proceeding? I don't think so. Um, if you have the documents, I can authenticate my signature. Okay. Um, and you have testified that you also practice criminal law and divorce law and perhaps other types of law as well? That's correct. And are you aware that OCG uh, 16-6-19 defines adultery as a misdemeanor crime in the state of Georgia? If you say so, yes, sir. Go ahead. Okay. Judge, I would ask the court to take judicial notice of that. For what relevance? Uh, Judge, I think it does go directly to the crime fraud exception. Um, because if, before we draw objection, because if Mr. Wade was providing information to him, to his counsel about his intent to either commit adultery or that he was committing adultery, then that would be a misdemeanor crime. It would implicate the crime fraud exception. And additionally, 
Um, as we know from yesterday's evidence, well, let me pause you there. Isn't adultery, as a statute, just on its face, been found unconstitutional? You it can't is, actually charge anyone with adultery anymore. It is, it is still current. In then the it state. can't be a crime. It is still a current charge. Let's move on to that next argument. Um, additionally, Judge, with regard to the interrogatories, we have three different sets of interrogatories that were filed that came into evidence yesterday, 21, May of 23, December of 23, that contain false information. Um, we also have the January of 24 that contains the invocation of privilege. So to the extent that this witness has information, both with the original interrogatories that were filed in December of 2021, and frankly, with regard to the later ones, even though he wasn't counsel, um, that would be a false swearing and fraud on the court, which again is a criminal offense. Um, and therefore the crime fraud exception would apply as well. Okay. Um, understood. No further questions. Okay, Mr. Gillen. Good afternoon, Ms. Bradley. Good afternoon. Been a long day. Uh, when did you sign your engagement letter with Mr. Wade to represent him in divorce proceedings? It would have to be 2017, 2018, um, same time frame, 2017, 2018. So did you sign or have signed an engagement letter uh, to represent him or are you just speculating? I can't recall. Um, I mean, we were in a... You know, we shared space. Um, I can't recall if um, if there was a contract or if there is a contract. I haven't. I, I think there is a contract, um, but right now would be speculation. Right now, sitting here, mm -hmm. you do not know whether or not you had a signed engagement letter with Mr. Raid. Wait discussing the parameters of your legal representation of him. Isn't that correct? That's not correct. I mean, I, I can't say. I, can, I don't have my files or anything with me. Well, sitting here, you do not have specific recollection or knowledge that you even had an engagement letter to represent him. Isn't that right? I think I had an engagement letter, but I do not know specifically if I had an engagement letter. Well, when did you open a file? Did you open, you, you, when you represent someone, you open a file in your office. Uh, and when did you open the file on, uh, on Mr. Wade? I am going to object to the relevance of this line of questioning. There has been no dispute by the, the attorney or the client that there was an attorney-client relationship. And so I, I object to the relevance of um, the circumstances under which that, that uh, engagement began, because as Mr. Gillen knows, that's not a factor in determining whether there was a uh, true attorney-client well, Your Honor, it's not just up to Mr. Wade and Mr. Bradley. It's up to the court. I, I agree with you there, Mr. Gillen, and so I'll give you a, a, a little bit of leeway, but I don't think we could spend too much time on this. No, so uh, okay, we'll uh, Your Honor. Now, did you or did you not open a file in your law practice with Mr. Wade's name on it, yes or no? 
Yes, I had a file with Mr. Wade's name on it. When did you open that file? I'm assuming 2017, 2018. I, I can't tell you the exact date. I've said that three or four times. Well, let's approach it from another angle. When is the first invoice that you sent to Mr. Uh, Wade uh, in, uh, for your rep legal representation? I didn't send him an invoice um, in that capacity. So what we have here is we have, you're not knowing whether you even have an engagement letter. You don't know whether you actually even billed him, correct? I represented Mr. Wade. I signed the documents that we filed. I filed the documents. I, there's depositions that I had um, with the um, divorce attorney that was representing his wife. I'm sorry, sir, that's not my question. Okay. My question is, <clears throat> did you bill him in your capacity as the lawyer that you're telling him? I don't recall. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, is there, did you have any invoices where you billed him on an hourly basis? I don't recall. And the answer really is no, isn't it, sir? I don't recall. And the reason why it's no, isn't it, is because what happened is that you and Mr. Wade were in a law practice together, and it was a very small uh, work environment, correct? It was a work environment, yes. A work environment when you, where you and, and him would uh, meet and talk literally every day, correct? Not every day, no. Well, almost every day. When you Not almost every day. I, I, I stated earlier that I ran one side of a practice. Um, Mr. Wade did, and we rarely were there at the same time. I stated that earlier today. So, well, we well, just give us totally how much money you got uh, for representing Mr. Wade uh, in this since 2017 or whenever you told us up until uh, you dropped off the case in uh, 2023. I don't recall. Would the answer be zero? I do not recall. Well, you would know whether he got paid or not, wouldn't you, sir? I do not recall. So you don't recall whether you as an attorney got a single dollar to represent Mr. Wade, correct? That's correct. Because you really did it as a friend, didn't you? No, I did it as an attorney. Well, an attorney that wasn't being paid. You were doing it pro bono for a friend, weren't yeah, you? I'm all right. So I'm going to sustain that, Mr. Gillen. I think the law is clear that money doesn't even have to change hands for that relationship. And I'm, I'm making a finding based on the evidence that's already been presented, namely the fact that he signed pleadings, attended depositions on Mr. Wade's behalf, that uh, attorney-client relationship did exist well, at some okay, point. Right. I was ex just uh, laying the foundation to the circumstances in terms of the, you know, the, the, the non-billing from the 2017 period and whether there was really an attorney-client privilege there. That's what I was trying to do. Okay. Uh, if, you, if, you, if, you, if the dispute is just when it occurred, you can try to hone in on that. But the questions I've heard so far are more from a you were never paid ever. You, you know, it's from a oh. overall angle. Well, from 2017 until November uh, uh, of 2021, you didn't receive a dollar from Mr. Wade for your uh, supposed or your representation of him. Correct. I don't have the file in front of me, and I do not recall. Okay. And. The reality of it is, as I mentioned or asked you a few minutes ago, is that it was a small firm and you were doing him as essentially a favor as a friend and as a law partner, correct? No, I was representing him as an attorney. Um, were we in the practice together? Yes. 
and were we or are we friends? I mean, we were friends at the time. Yes. Well, you were friends and law partners, correct? Yes. And in, in, in a small firm, and I know because I'm with it in a small firm, uh, people will sit around the office and talk about their social life and what they're doing, correct? Correct? If that happens in your small firm, yes, yes. Well, that doesn't happen, or did it happen in your small firm? Yeah, again, I'm gonna, um, the, the witness has been asked very specific questions about conversations about socialization and gone on through it, so I think this is asking it. All right, I'll let him ask this one question, overruled. Repeat the question. Oh. Did you, in your small firm, have occasion to where people would sit around and socialize and talk about what was going on in their lives as opposed to merely talking about the law? Yes. And you had those conversations with Mr. Wade uh, as a friend on a social basis, didn't you? I assume we... Not yet, but it might. I assume, yes, we talked about sports. We talked about, you know, uh, sp sports a whole lot. You talked about life and about what was going on in your life and what was going on in his life, right? Right? Sometimes, very rarely, yes, sometimes. And, and that is what you do in a small work environment when you know people very well and you do favors for them, correct? Yeah. All right. Um, sustain. Next question, Mr. Gillen. Now, in that capacity, did you, didn't you have discussions with Mr. Wade about what was going on in his social life? That they had nothing to do with him asking you legal advice. Objection to be more specific. Uh, I think he's just asked whether he socializes outside of legal advice. So uh, I think he can answer that question. I did answer the question. I said we talked about sports a lot. And I'm asking, you know, sports is one thing. The social life. Uh, did you talk about each other's social life, like Mr. Wade and who he was dating? All right, so that'll be sustained on privilege. Okay, Your Honor, just for the record, I would state that, that my objection would be that, that uh, the privilege only uh, uh, protects communications in, in furtherance of seeking out illegal advice, not talking about something that might be personal or confidential. And that's the, that's the distinction that I would draw. I, th I think that's an accurate legal point. Uh, however, I think the witness has already been questioned and testified on this point. Thank so, you. next question. Now, uh, you, uh, you you got into the fact that you were the initial attorney on the on the divorce case, correct? That is correct. Now, uh, did you and Mr. Wade, without getting into discussion, did you and Mr. Wade uh, together prepare his r responses to the interrogatories which were filed uh, initially in the divorce case? I'm assuming we. Objection. He's asking about the interrogatory responses. Mr. Gill, well, I don't think it's attorney-client. Did they meet together? And and when, when the interrogatory answers were filed, did he file them? And did he do that in concert with his with his client? There's nothing, there's nothing privileged there. Did they meet and work together in that work, uh, taking the form of them talking back and forth to each other on the right responses? I'll change it a little bit. Um, did you review yourself uh, the interrogatory responses given in the divorce case? I did. And 
whatever knowledge that you had when you were involved in the interrogatory responses, you had the knowledge of all that material or information that you had had without getting into the content. You had all of that knowledge and information. I'm sorry, I was, let me get my question out before I was trying to he objects. Uh, and when you filed those interrogatories, you had all the knowledge and information that you would obtain from Mr. Wade from 2017 up until the date the interrogatories were filed, didn't you, sir? Okay, so that's, uh, it, 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 the follow-up question to that is going to be incorporating knowledge learned during communication. So I'll I'll, no, I'm not going to have a follow-up question. I just want to know whether, whether you know, is that is that the case? When he filed the interrogatory forms, he had all of the information that he had uh, discussed with Mr. Wade from 2017 up until the time. That's it. That's my final question. Okay. It's all, it's all in, in which case, without doing that extra assuming link that he based his answers on those communications, it has no relevance. Well, uh, it, it, it does in the sense that it shows what knowledge he may have had when he, the attorney, is filing interrogatory responses. That's what it shows. Okay. I wouldn't, I, I'm still not saying the relevance of his knowledge as the attorney filing the responses, unless you're linking this back to well, Mr. It, it, you know, it, it gets back, Your Honor, to whether or not, uh, if you're filing, if you're an attorney and you're filing an interrogatory response, which you have reason to believe, or specific information to know that certain responses uh, are not accurate, then you shouldn't be filing them. And now, uh, so that, that's where I was going with that. So it, if he's got a body of knowledge over here that's built up from his communications with Mr. Wade that everyone so dearly doesn't want uh, everyone to know about in spite of the uh, the allegations made against Ms. Merchant, now... Okay. So what if the question was, did you, uh, did you, when you signed your name to the interrogatories, uh, did you commit any knowing fraudulent statement and submitting those to the court at the time? Would there be a problem with that statement or that question? Well, I mean, I think that is a conclusion that others could draw, like the court. I just want to know that he had all that information at the time that he, as the attorney, filed the interrogatories. That's it. We would, we would object. Uh, this does fall under attorney-client, and he is making presumptions about when information may have or not have been disseminated <coughs> to Mr. Bradley in his capacity as attorney. He didn't have to know about anything at the time of, in the middle of, at the end of, or he may never have had that information. There's too much presumption associated with it. The whole matter is covered under privilege. One, one comment on that, Your Honor. We have spent almost a day talking about trying to block public dis uh, the uh, dissemination of what Mr. Wade said either as an attorney or in any capacity about his relationship with Ms. Willis prior to November the 1st, 2021. And questions about uh, discussions in, uh, in 2019, all objected to uh, the, the, the claiming the privilege. And now to say, well, that doesn't mean that he learned something after. I'm talking about what did you know at the time the interrogatories were filed? And everything that you, they're, now they're claiming privilege, well, that's fine. The court will address that uh, in, in chamber and in due course. What okay. did you know? I'm sorry, Mr. Gillen, I really don't see the distinction. So uh, your, your question's noted for the record and your objection as well. All right, and, uh, and, and I'll follow up with this. Uh, now, you're leaving uh, the, the uh, removing yourself from the 
the case, the divorce case, correct? You, you withdrew from the divorce case, correct? Correct. Did you do that as a result of your concern about any of the accuracies or representations which had been made by your client in the divorce case? No. Um... Okay, so that's going to cover communications during the relationship? Well, Your Honor, hypothetically, not saying this is the case, hypothetically, if uh, Mr. Bradley, uh, knowing, let's say hypothetically, that he, he, in speaking with Mr. Wade, was aware that the, that the intimate uh, or personal relationship, romantic relationship, existed prior to November the 1st, 2021 and started uh, in 2019 or 2020, if he's armed with that information that he's obtained from Mr. Wade, but Mr. Wade uh, would want to insist on responding to interrogatories which were contrary to the information that Mr. Bradley would have, then I'm asking him whether he took steps as an attorney to say, I cannot uh, be a part of that or countenance that, therefore I'm withdrawing from the case. Sure. Um, I still see that as covering their communications. So I'll sustain that objection. All right. Well, thank you, Your Honor. That's all I have. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Gill. Thank you. Mr. Kachurov, are you still with us? Anyone on behalf of Mr. Floyd still joining us? All right. Moving on. Mr. Cromwell. Just two brief questions, Your Honor. I think we've been, everybody's exhausted with this line of question. Right? Go, Mr. Bradley. Um, when did you withdraw from Mr. Wade's divorce case? I don't have it in front of me. Um, can, I don't have the file. It, was it sometime in 2023? No, it would have probably been. Well, 2023. Um, See, I left in 2022. Um, it could have been anywhere between um, July of 2022 and maybe December of, it, it wasn't, I, I don't have the accurate date, but it wasn't when I left and it wasn't. I'll make it easier for okay. you. All right. You were not his divorce lawyer the time the interrogatory responses were filed in May of 2023. Is that true? Oh, no, I was not. Okay, yes. And as of today's date, Mr. Wade is still a married man. Would you agree? I haven't kept up with the divorce uh, proceedings, but uh, I think they're still open. Okay. So, and if they're still open, that means he's still a married man. Yes, that's correct. So if the, the fact that in a pleading, there is a re reference to the marriage is irretrievably broken, that doesn't mean the marriage ends, does it? I guess you have to ask the judge that's handling the case. Well, it, it doesn't end until there's actually a, a divorce decree signed by a judge. Would you agree? Uh, I would agree. All right. Thank you. Okay. Ms. Cross, were you taking I am, Your Honor. Target? I'm going to have a minute. Um, my cross-examination might be a long, a, a long, long one. Um, so we can go for an hour and a half. Can I have just a five-minute break? Sure. All right. We'll be back in five.
Okay, we're back on the record, and oh, no, maybe no, we're not. We can get Mr. Bradley back. While he's coming out, Ms. Merchant, for planning purposes, based on uh, Mr. Bradley's testimony was presented, do you anticipate calling any further witnesses? Housekeeping at the yes. end. Okay. okay. Ms. Cross. Thank you, Anna. Mr. Bradley, have you still got the exhibits 23, 24, 25 there in front of you? I do. And 23, that's one of the contracts for that was your your personal LLC or PC, your personal legal entity, right? For the that is correct. attorney's office? Yes? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And I understood your testimony to be that any income that came into the partnership, when I say partnership, let's, let me be more specific. You had an individual legal entity. Mr. Campbell had an individual legal entity. Mr. Wade had an individual legal entity. But y'all had a partnership agreement, right? Yes, but we didn't have that um, the entire time. There was yes. a period of time that we've been talking to, that we had talked about in 2022 prior to leaving the firm that there was an actual entity for the three of you, correct? That is correct. And that was roughly during the time period where y'all brought some, bought a building together. Yes, correct. And it made things simpler for whatever reason you decided at that time that a joint entity made sense to own that, that building, right? Correct. Okay. All right, but those contracts there, they're not with the joint entity, correct? No, they're not. Those are all with you individually, is that right? Can you take a look at 23, 24, and 25? Yes. They're all with you individually? Yes. Okay. 23, what's the hourly rate that you are being compensated? Um, 23 is the, um, I don't think, no, 23 is not the first appearance. 23 is um, the taint, it says. What's the hourly rate on that contract? Um, 150 an hour. 150 an hour? All right. So the 150 an hour, the way I understand you all share profits was you get 50, Mr. Campbell get 50, Mr. Wade get 50, and then you all pay expenses uh, jointly as well, correct? Correct. All right. What about... Exhibit number 24. It seems to be the, the same. Same amount? Um, I don't know if it's the same amount. Um, I'm interested in the amount. Oh, no, uh, the amount was um, 65 an hour. $65 an hour? Mm -hmm. All right. That's not a... Um, particularly high rate for an attorney in the Atlanta metro area, correct? Uh, no, it's not. Right. Was that a government rate that you were willing to accept at that time? Um, yes, that is correct. All right. And so the $60 you're getting for that contract, again, that split three ways, you, Mr. Wade, and Mr. Campbell, correct? That is correct. So when you were Minus asking, expenses and stuff like that, exactly, yes. Exactly, exactly. 
that was the income and then expenses come from that and then profits, whatever's at the end, correct? Correct. All right. So when you were being asked questions about Mr. Wade, I think the, the phrasing, and I object to it, but I, I think um, you might recall the question, the Mr. Wade brought you this contract or Mr. Wade got you this contract. Do you remember those questions? Uh, yes, I do. All right. So we're talking then about the split among the three of you of, of, of about $20 a piece, right, for that particular contract? For this one, yes. All right. What about 24? You got 24? That, I'm sorry, 25. You got that in front of you? I do. What's the hourly rate on that one? It's 150. 150 on that one, too? All right. And this same sharing went through the business the way you handled that contract in, as well, right? That's correct. All right. Who is Austin Dabney? Um, he was a probation officer that um, passed the bar, and we hired him and another individual. I can't he, – the other person didn't stay long. And did Mr. Dabney and the other um, legal associates that you all had working for you at that time, did they do some work on these first appearance contracts? Yes. Uh, and that was a pretty good position for a younger lawyer to be sent to get some courtroom experience, correct? That is correct. Two thousand and twenty. Uh, you're aware that Mr. Wade had a serious illness during that time. I'm aware. And you and Mr. Wade, I think you described your relationship in a lot of details um, earlier about specific circumstances. But you, you were business partners in. Let's say up till the time you left in uh, summer 2022, correct? That is correct. You were business partners up until that time? Uh, yes, I said yes, that, that is correct. Okay. And while you didn't socialize together frequently, you considered yourself a friend of Mr. Wade at that time? Yes, we were friends at that time, yes. All right. Uh, you are no longer business partners? That is correct. You are no longer friends? I mean, if he's saying that we're not friends, then uh, yeah. I want to know what you think, Mr. Bradley. Do you consider yourself a friend of Mr. Wade? I'll no. consider. Uh, it goes to potential bias, Ms. Cross. Would I consider myself a friend of Mr. Wade? Mm -hmm. I would. You were asked questions, Mr. Bradley, about the circumstances under which you left the firm. <clears throat> do you recall those questions? I do. All right. And you left the firm. The firm remained the same as far as other employees, Mr. Wade, Mr. Campbell, as the main partners of the firm. You were the one who left, correct? That is correct. And you termed it as a disagreement. You recall answering questions as though you left due to a disagreement. Yes? Yes. And that disagreement was that there was an allegation of sexual assault by an employee made against you, correct? That is incorrect. There was not an allegation that you assaulted us, that you sexually assaulted one of the employees in the firm. That is incorrect, but. Yes. Yes. Yes, there was an allegation that you sexually assaulted a member of the firm, correct? Yes, there was an allegation, yes. And as a result of that allegation, you left? 
I did. You were no longer business partners with Mr. Wade. That is correct. The firm remained intact, and in fact, the employee involved remained with the firm, correct? I'm not certain of that. Um, they did leave the, the building, of course, um, and I don't know, um, some of the employees did leave. Mr. Bradley, you in fact paid that employee $20,000, correct? That is, uh, that is, that is incorrect as far as what was, no. On or about the time that you left the firm, and on or about the time that the allegation of sexual assault was made against you, did you pay the person who had made the allegation of sexual assault any amount of money? There was money left in an escrow that belonged to me. I don't know what that amount was. And did that money that was left in the escrow that belonged to you, was that paid to the employee who said that you signed I never, I never signed any, I never gave any money. I never, I left the money in the escrow account. What happened to that money? Um, I can't, I, I don't know what happened to it. For what purpose did you leave the money in the escrow account when you left the firm? I left the money in the escrow account. Um, For what purpose, sir? There was no purpose. You just left the money in the escrow account? Yes. If there's no connection to the money you left in the escrow account and the allegations of sexual assault that an employee of your firm made against you, why was it that you brought to my attention? Why did you respond the way you did about money in an escrow account when my question was, did you pay this employee any money? I didn't hand any money. Um, it's, it was money from my escrow account, to my knowledge. Um, to your knowledge, where did the money in the escrow account go? To the employee. To that employee. Was there one allegation or one incident of sexual assault with this employee, Mr. Bradley, or was there more than one? Just one incident. There were not two. To my knowledge, there were not two incidents, no. I'm asking for incidents that you have been involved in. Were there two incidents where you sexually assaulted this employee? No, I didn't sexual assault anybody. Was there another occasion where you paid any money as a result of an allegation of sexual assault against you? No. Did you sexually assault any clients of your firm? No. Never? Never. Who's Anna Rodriguez? I don't even know that name. You don't recall a client named Anna Rodriguez? Anna Rodriguez? No, I do not. Never met her? I do not recall the name Anna Rodriguez. All right, Ms. Cross. Your Honor, this clearly goes to the bias that the witness has towards Mr. Wade and other individuals, his motive in okay. involvement. I believe it's an appropriate, uh, appropriate avenue to pursue based on exploring his credibility. All right, at some point, though. I'm not going to go much further. Okay. Judge, if this is allowed to continue in this way, it does a little bit harassing then is mr bradley going to be excused from his privilege because 
This is not. That's what I was going to do. Don't do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Ms. Chilver. Sit on it. I think she's well. already done that. <laughs> um, Your Honor, I'm, I'm asking in all seriousness that privilege, although. Um, Based on the answer right now, I think now we've opened up a whole area. Um, what he has just responded to, he previously said, was privilege. That doesn't sound like privilege to me. We'll have to address that when we go back through the run. Yeah. So, Miss Cross. I finished. Oh. <laughs> okay, Mr. Saydown. You were accused by Mr. Wade of misconduct in the course of your representation of Mr. Wade, correct? I was not accused by Mr. Wade, no. Who accused you? Did Mr. Wade not, based on the questions we were just asked, did Mr. Wade not bring to your attention these sexual assault allegations? Ask that again, please. Mr. Wade brought to your attention the sexual assault allegations that you've been asked about by the prosecutor, correct? Correct. And at that time that Mr. Wade brought those allegations to your attention, you were still the attorney for Mr. Wade, correct? Correct. And therefore, your conduct as an attorney and the attorney at that time for Mr. Wade was called into question by Mr. Wade's passing along to you allegations of misconduct, correct? I object to that. I don't think that's factually true. I don't know that that's not, I know that that is not legally true. The attorney-client relationship is of a matter. It is not initiated by other instances or anything outside that matter. I'm not sure that that's accurate. He was accused by Mr. Wade, his client. Do you mind if I speak? I allowed you to speak. Mr. Wade um, accused this gentleman of misconduct in the performance of activity while he's an attorney working with Mr. Wade and representing Mr. Wade. Those allegations of misconduct open up the question of whether or not he can defend himself by now discussing his confidential communications with Mr. Wade in connection with the representation as well as the allegations. That's the position of the defense. Understood. So what is the question you're putting? My question I'm going to ask you now is, tell us what Mr. Wade told you about um, when he began his relationship with Ms. Wills. Okay. All right. So uh, where I think we are with this is that Mr. Bradley previously testified that the reason he left the firm was totally and completely covered by privilege. When asked by the state, he went into a factual scenario that, to my mind, I don't see how it relates to privilege at all. And so now I'm left wondering if Mr. Bradley has been properly interpreting privilege this entire time. And I, I think the only way I can cure that is by having that in-camera conversation with him. May I suspend my redirect for you to have that conversation? Uh, I think that makes sense. But there, is there anything else though, that you were going to cover other than this issue? No. Okay. Ms. Cross, any reactions? Only to, Your Honor, Ms. the premise of Mr. Sadow's question was that Mr. Waite accused Mr. Bradley of the sexual assault. 
That was not my question, and I don't believe that's factual. Though there was an employee who accused Mr. Bradley of sexual assault. Okay. But re regardless, though, the point is, is that the circumstances of his departure from the firm, from what I've now heard, had nothing whatsoever to do with his representation of a divorce. Is that fair? My question, I believe the testimony has been that the circumstances of Mr. Bradley leaving the firm were related, I can't say how much, but certainly in a large part, based on the allegation of sexual assault that was made against him by him. Sure. And his previous testimony was that that was totally covered by privilege? Yes, he lied. Okay. All right. Other than this issue, uh, which I think we've covered at length, uh, was there any other questions based on Ms. Cross's uh, examination from other defense counsel? No, Okay. All right. With that understanding, um, can this witness be excused, Ms. Merchant? All right. So, Mr. Bradley, uh, I would ask, I don't know if we, we may be able to do it today. If we I'm could. sorry, Judge. I don't think I could excuse him. Stay out. Um, Mr. Stay out had preserved the rest of his um, cross for after you the Right. What I'm what I'm what I'm about to say just logistically is, what I'm trying to do is if we can conclude this hearing with the exception of that in camera hearing, we end for today. And if as a result of that in camera hearing that I learn that we need to reopen the evidence, then that's what I'll do. So to that end. Um, I can give Mr. Bradley instructions that he's to report back if uh, upon order of the court. But otherwise, um, is there anything further the parties need from him today? I know there's other housekeeping things and things we need to do. And based on the testimony, if you have another witness, Your Honor, it doesn't involve Mr. Bradley right. requiring to be here. Okay, so you so now the state does have another witness. I do. Okay, all right. In that instance. Um, okay, Mr. Bradley, you can you can sit down, sir. Uh, however, uh, I'm giving you uh, the order to stay in touch with your attorney, and then we're going to have to find a time uh, to meet again and go into an in-camera session. Do you understand, sir? I do. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. You can step down. Uh, Mr. Chopper, do you have a card for me? I, I do, Your Honor. Okay. At least I hope I do. I'm the worst lawyer on earth. I usually just tag bus stations with my. You can write down your contact information for us. I will. All right, Miss Merchant, you have any further witnesses? Yeah, okay. Um, your Honor, um, uh, on the issue of the uh, Bill Solinsky, 1006, first to 611, we're not going to call him. Uh, we think the charge, the foundation of the charge, uh, is sufficiently evidence, and we can just. Use the chart during argument under a 611 demonstrative. Okay. And any objection to this uh, in entry as a demonstrative, Ms. Cross? Uh, no, Your Honor. If, given the parameters we discussed earlier. Okay. Can we go ahead and mark that in exhibit and make it part of the, the record in advance of argument since I don't think, I don't know when we're going to be able to have that scheduled? I think this would be Defense Exhibit 28. Let me let me go down the order just so we're staying organized. Ms. Merchant does not have any further witness. Excuse me, Mr. Mer Ms. Merchant on behalf of Mr. Roman has no further evidence. Uh, Mr. Sadow. Your Honor, we are in the process of 
And is it your intention that you would want to introduce these solely as an exhibit, or you think that this should reopen and bring us back for an entirely new evidentiary day with witnesses? I think that we would want to, if what we believe is there, based on our preliminary research, is there, we'd like to reopen and be able to introduce the records and someone to explain what this is. Sir, the state will certainly have an objection to that. This hearing has been set. We haven't seen the records, so I, I don't know if I have any objection to what they are. Um, but the day has been set for quite a while, and we object to leaving the evidence open for any, any purpose. Okay. And Mr. Sadow, when did you first go about trying to obtain these records? Um, I, I know it's also the Delta records. As soon as we got a hearing date in the state's response, so what happened was when the state responded, I think it was February 9th, um, and admitted to the relationship, but put parameters on the timing. Um, I said to me, have in response to that, so that's February 9th. <coughs> Problem is, Delta, AT&T, all these folks aren't super fast about that. Um, and so I know Delta, we're also waiting, I wanted to remind the court, waiting for those records to be submitted. And AT&T actually emailed me these phone records yesterday morning on the way to court. Okay. All right. Any, um, any further exhibits that are self-authenticating? Um, if counsel are able to uh, provide those, obviously serve those on opposing counsel, and then before sending them over to us, uh, let us know whether they would be tendered with or without objection, just purely on authentication or hearsay issues or um, relevance. Uh, we can make those part of the record, and I'll reserve whether this reopens a full hearing format, but the exhibits themselves I'm willing to, to have come into the part of the record but there will be a cutoff point very soon, as soon as we schedule argument. All right. Uh, any other evidence, Mr. Sadow, then? No, Your Honor. So that would be cell records. Um, Mr. Stockton, no. any evidence? All right. Uh, Mr. Durham, if you're still with us? No, Your Honor. All right. Mr. McDougald? Certified copies I mentioned to Your Honor yesterday, Your Honor. Okay. And why don't you lay those out for the record? They, they are marked but not yet numbered. Um, I believe our next exhibit would be 29. 28, I just said, was Mr. Gillen's right. demonstrative, just so I'm keeping it straight. And so I previously provided these to the prosecution. 29 would be a certified copy of County Code Section 2-68. Okay. 30 is a certified copy of County Code Section 2 Six nine. Thirty-one <clears throat> is a certified copy of County Code Section two seven nine. <clears throat> Thirty-two is certified copy of County Code Section ten one fourteen. 33 is a certified copy 
of County Code Section 10-115. Thirty-four is a certified copy of County Code Section 102-464. Thirty-five is a certified copy of County Code Section 102-465. Thirty-six is a certified copy of County Code Section 102 dash 466 and 37 is a certified copy of a emergency motion by non-party deponent for protective order filed on behalf of DA Willis in the Wade divorce case okay uh, Ms. Cross, objection to defense exhibits 32 through 37. I object to their relevance, um, and I, I will take Mr. Um, I will take opposing counsel's representation that the pleading is complete and accurate as it was filed, uh, and object to the relevance of that as well, but not the authentication. Okay. All right. We'll uh, note the objection for the record, and we'll admit them for whatever weight they're due. So defense exhibits 32 through 37 are admitted. Uh, if you could hand those to Madam Court Board. Any further evidence, Mr. McDougall? Okay, Mr. Rice. Yeah, uh, Mr. Gillen, the demonstrative 38 or 28. Okay, and, and do you have a, a physical copy for us already? Great. All right, do we still have Mr. Kuchura with us on Zoom or anyone else on behalf of Mr. Floyd? He's not on any longer? All right, I'm being informed that he dropped off Zoom, and so I'll make a finding that he voluntarily has absented himself from this hearing. Mr. Cromwell. No evidence, yeah. Okay. Ms. Cross, back to you. Uh, um, if the defense presentation of evidence is done, I'd ask that all of the witnesses who had been subpoenaed but not called now be released. Uh, I think that's fair. Ms. Merchant, any reason to hold on any of those witnesses? Okay. The state uh, has two short witnesses, and uh, that's it. Okay, you may call your uh, next witness, Ms. Cross. Next witness for the state is Austin Dabney. Impeach. Okay. Yes, um, my name is Austin Dabney. That's A-U-S-T-I-N-D-A-B-N-E-Y. Good afternoon, Mr. Dabney. Good afternoon. I want to direct your attention. Well, first of all, how are you employed? I am uh, employed right now. I have my own firm. You're a um, lawyer and you've got your own law firm? That's correct. All right. I want to direct your attention to 2021-2022. What was your employment at that time? Yes, I was employed um, with Way Bradley Campbell firm. And what that's Nathan Braid, Nathan Wade, Terrence Bradley, and Chris Campbell. That's correct. All right. And what did you do in that firm? Um, I was an associate attorney. All right. And don't need a whole lot of detail, but generally speaking, uh, who in the firm did you work for? What kind of matters did you handle? 
Um, well, I believe I work for all of them equally. They would all give me tasks to do, which court dates to go to, um, what cases to work on. I want to direct now your attention, uh, Mr. Dabney, to a particular instance. Um, did you have occasion at any time to go to a club with Mr. Bradley? Uh, could you repeat the question? Yeah. Did you have any occasion to go to a club, a nightclub or a, um, a bar situation with Mr. Bradley? Yes, I, I have. More than one time? Um, more than one time, yes. Uh, the time that I'm going to direct your attention to, uh, we spoke about it a little earlier today. Do you recall any instance, Mr. Um, Dabney, where Mr. Bradley, where you witnessed Mr. Bradley sexually assaulted? You got a lot of objectives, Mr. Okay. Specific instances of the Sure. All right, how is this not uh, extrinsic evidence in a collateral matter, Ms. Cross? Maybe ask a better question. Uh, my question will be if this witness witnessed Mr. Bradley sexually assaulting another employee of the firm. Same exactly, but same, same subject matter. How is that not issue on a collateral matter for impeachment? I think it's not a collateral matter. You're on the witness denied it. I think it is uh, highly relevant. I think that it goes to the witness's credibility and his uh, denial here this afternoon that he committed the assault as a witness I will proffer to the court um, who has firsthand knowledge and witnessed the event. And so I think that's highly relevant to both Mr. Bradley's credibility and to the proceedings that we've had for the last few days. Still object, Your Honor. Oh, I understand, Mr. Chair. Uh, the Bradley, uh, they, they have to live with whatever answer uh, the they can't Ms. Cross, under 608, I don't see how this isn't well beyond the core facts at issue. I think you confronted with him. I think he answered them as he saw fit. An argument can be made as a result. But to go down a whole mini-trial on whether he did or did not do this and circumstances of his leaving the firm, I don't see how that gets past 608. I understand the ruling, Your Honor. disagree and defer sure. my objection that I put a proffer on the record, not a detailed one. Um, but that the I think you already have. I'd like to, make it, with the court's permission, I'd like to make it clear that the sexual assault I'm referring to was the same employee that I asked Mr. Bradley about. I just wanted that to be clear. Okay. All right. Understood. Is there anything else uh, that is relevant to this witness? Uh, given the court's ruling, no. All right. Questions from defense counsel? Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. When did you start working at the law firm? Um, I believe I started working, um, to my recollection, in March 2021. Okay. And at that time, <clears throat> do I understand that there was what I would call a, a three-way partnership or sharing arrangement at the law firm? 
Um, I'm not aware of any sharing arrangements that they had, but there was the way Bradley and Campbell Law Firm. And did you work in the law firm office on a daily basis? I did. And during the time period you were there for the remainder of 2001? That is, you worked, you worked from March of 2001 at least to the end of 2001, correct? I wasn't, I didn't even have a bar license in 2001. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 2021, a little late. From March of 2021 to the end of 2021, correct? That's correct. Okay. Um, during the time period that you were working at the law firm, did you see Fonnie Willis? During my time, because you repeat the In question. In that time period between March of 2021 and November 1st of 2021, did you see Miss Willis? I may have recalled one instance where I saw her in passing. And when you saw her, was she at the law firm? That would be correct. And do you know who she went to visit? I do not know. She didn't. You didn't see her go to Mr. Wade's office. I do not recall. Did you ever talk to Mr. Wade about um, Bonnie Willis? Could you repeat your question? Did you ever talk to Mr. Wade about Bonnie Willis during the time period of March of 2021 to November 1st of 2021? No. Did you know they were dating? No, I did not. Did you see anything between, did you ever socialize with Mr. Wade? As far as being an employee, yes. Well, I don't mean, I don't know what that means exactly, but did you ever go out to eat with Mr. Wade? <laughs> On occasion, he would take the office out to lunch. Um, beyond that, did you ever go to a nightclub or drinking or any of that with him? No, I did not. Okay, so whatever relationship Mr. Wade had with Ms. Willis during this time period, you don't have personal knowledge, correct? I do not have any personal knowledge. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Any other questions from defense counsel? Mr. Stockton. When you started in March of 21, was that just you gave them a resume and started working there? I don't understand your question. When you started working there, is it a situation where your first day on the job is the first day you may have met him or, or shortly before you met him? Again, I don't, I don't understand what you're asking. Let me back up. Did you know Mr. Wade or any of his partners prior to March of 21? Yes, I did. How did you know them? In a professional capacity. I used to be a um, community supervision officer with the Georgia Department of Community Supervision. And what, where would that have been out of? Uh, Fulton County? Cobb County. How long did you know Mr. Wade prior to that? Um, I didn't see Mr. Wade in my professional capacity. I thought you were asking about all partners, but if you're only asking about uh, Mr. Wade, if you could please clarify. Okay, so you went to work for Mr. Wade in March of 21, correct? I went to work for the Wade Bradley Campbell firm. Okay. Prior to that, how long did you know Mr. Wade? I did not know Mr. Wade prior to that. At all? At all. No further questions. Any other counsel? All right, seeing and hearing none. Any redirect, Ms. Cross? No, Your Honor, subject to the court's ruling. All right, can this witness be excused? Ma'am. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you, Your Honor. Next witness, Ms. Cross. Uh, I believe I know the court's ruling, so let me proffer that the next witness the state would call would be Anna Rodriguez. Uh, question, Mr. Bradley, about 
sexual assault of Ms. Rodriguez, a client of the firm. He denied knowing her or recognizing her name. I believe Ms. Rodriguez's testimony would be impeaching of Mr. Bradley. I believe it's appropriate, um, but want to present that before I call it. All right. Thank you, Ms. Cross. And so, uh, based on that proffer and the subject matter proffered, uh, I still believe that that would fall under 608B as extrinsic evidence of a collateral matter. And so I don't think it's allowed under our rules of evidence. Understanding that, I just make a proffer on the record that um, Ms. Rodriguez would testify that Mr. Bradley sexually assaulted her. She was a client at the time. Um, and that would be impeaching of his testimony that he did not. All right. Understood. Any further uh, evidence or witnesses, Ms. Cross? Uh, no, sir. Okay. All right. Then at this time... For now, I'll consider the evidence closed, subject to any certified submissions by counsel, and subject to the results of the in-camera hearing. Uh, we will coordinate with all counsel to find a date to come back for uh, summation. And um, to that end, uh, again, using Ms. Merchant as uh, kind of running uh, lead on this, uh, I'd like you to consult on whether that's going to be a collective response on behalf of the defendants. If not, uh, then we're going to have to get into time time allotment. And if it's you know more than a handful of counsel, it'd probably maybe be 10 to 15 minutes per side. And so, Mr. Sano. Uh, I'll, we'll follow up by email so we can coordinate with everyone's schedules. I want to make sure we have our same court reporter as well uh, so that the record is all in one place. And I know we have a lot of schedules to coordinate, but uh, looking at either late next week, as in next Friday, or the following week. And would we at least have the opportunity to get a transfer before we do that? I think that's probably highly unlikely, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, it's just uh, that would require a... A rush, and I know again we're at a shortage of court reporters, uh, but I think there are other means you can refer to the evidence with confidence as to what was said. Miss right. um, Merchant. Okay. And like I said, we will. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna follow up with uh, scheduling. Mr. Gillen. And yeah. Any other? Uh, claims brought in any of the uh, the filings regarding forensic misconduct, this whole line of questioning. All right. Any other questions from defense counsel? Anything from the state? Right, we could just ask that um, we be uh, allowed to submit a brief as it relates to um, the rulings that you just made as uh, relates to um, the objections by defense counsel under 607 and 6021, which would be impeachment by contradiction, which um, in the state's understanding would allow the use of extrinsic evidence to impeach the specific uh, testimony here of uh, Mr. Bradley. Um, so we're just asking for uh, leave to uh, provide a brief and uh, have the court to further uh, consider uh, your ruling. Well, if you still got your witnesses here and you think you've got a better legal argument, I'm willing to hear it. I don't, you said 607 and 608. 607 and 621. <coughs> Okay, I see 621 and I see 608. And, and in both of those instances, they allow testimony that uh, related to the testimony of another witness here, Mr. Bradley, that we can prove this patently false uh, as he testified that he 
didn't commit a sexual assault and that he didn't pay off witnesses and things of that nature. Okay, and how do you get around 608B's prohibition on extrinsic evidence of collateral matters? Well, 607 and 621 allow the use of extrinsic evidence to specifically impeach uh, facts known to be false. But if that held true, respectfully, that would mean that any time a witness um, denied something, you'd be able to, uh, of a, a matter testified to, you'd be able to impeach with extrinsic evidence, and that's well, here's what I'm fine with. Uh, Mr. Avati, if you want to submit that brief on purely legal argument, you can. But I don't want to have this as a vehicle to essentially put forth an extended and long-winded proffer of what you expected the evidence to be. So if you think I've made a legal error on that point, feel free to brief it, and we can reopen the, her the hearing if that's, if that's legally invalid. Okay? All right. Um, Mr. Chopra, is your client still here? Believe so, Your Honor, but I'm sorry. They went That's fine. If he is still here, I'll, let's uh, relocate to the jury room. Certainly. Okay, we will be uh, adjourned for today. Thank you all.